welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Inyash Brodsky. I'm Steven Zuber. I'm Jay Sticky. And today we are going old school, talking about uh, beliefs and how to overcome biases and such. So <laughs> feels like we should talk about that more often. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this because we got a whole new thing going on. Not a whole new thing. An old school thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. A new old thing. Yes. Yeah. Shall we just jump right into the less wrong posts then? Yeah. First less wrong post was rationality and the English language. And you know what? I'll, I'll save my comment until afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this was about how somebody had told Eliezer that his writing reminded them of politics in the English language by George Orwell, which uh, he was honored by because he then goes on to say why he really loved Orwell's writing and why it's rationalist. Yeah. Or at least um, it's trying to serve the same purpose that rationalist writing is of pointing out where there are like biases but in this case he was talking about uh the way that like you use the written word yeah. can be used to manipulate orwell was very much about yeah the whole how you can you manipulate language to manipulate uh people because i mean ultimately i've always considered uh humans to be the main thing that makes us different is that we run on language where i don't think any of the other animals do and uh like, if we didn't have language, would we even be human? We would not. I, I, I kind of don't think we would, because that's, like, where not all your consciousness comes from, right? It's mm. the stream of thought of inspecting yourself through the filter of language. Yeah, I don't think we'd be recognizably human. Right. I, I'm trying to imagine, like, if, if we just didn't talk, and that we had other ways to communicate gestures or something, you know, if we still managed to somehow be social well. animals, it'd be so different. Our inner lives would be changed. Like, I, some people report to me, because I've asked about this back when I was way more into, like, uh philosophy of consciousness that they just think in wordless concepts mm. i don't think Phoenix they says do. that too and i'm just like i don't i don't believe you <laughs> I, I believe like i i have you know oh, I, was just intuitions like, I, I, that... I don't think that way yeah i, I have I... a very hard time actually like i mean because how, is... how do you crystallize a thought like I, I have lots of things that come up as like wordless intuitions or nudges or um you know, and a lot of things happen automatically that don't get assigned a word because there doesn't need to be or there's no time. I feel like I don't understand but, the stuff going in on in my head unless I translate it into words. That's exactly it, yeah. I think, like, I don't know if you guys have read um, Peter Watt's Blind Sight, but I get the feeling that both the aliens and the vampires in that novel are basically that. They're as intelligent as humans, but they don't have a, like, language self-reflective center, and that is why they are not conscious. Right. And so I think that's like, they can still use language, but they don't think in language. And that, that is why they're like pea zombies and they we're not. Like GPT-4. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they talk about that a lot in um, meditation where there's, like, they talk about the person saying words and the person hearing the voice saying the words, Yeah, which uh, is really weird when you start thinking about it. But that's like the process is going on in our head. That's what makes us conscious, probably. Yeah. The Both the speaker and the listener. So we have gotten off topic, or off track. Okay. Oh, no, we're still on topic. You're right. This is, <laughs> this is a good tangent. We are keeping our eye on the ball here, people. Don't sweat it. Yeah. Uh, the the thing that I don't... The, I think this is... Elias uh, are making this point, but, you know, by way of, um, of Orwell's writing, he says that if you wish to imprison people for years without a trial trial you must think of some other way to say it than i'm going to imprison mr jennings for years without trial you must muddy the listener's thinking prevent clear images from outraging conscience you say unreliable elements were subjected to an alternative justice process <laughs> <laughs> which uh 
he was talking about use the use of the passive voice. Mm-hmm. And then I I don't remember having read this uh, sequence before because this is awesome, but... This is absolutely fantastic. He says this sentence, writers are told to avoid the usage of the passage voice. And then like, and he's like, and then if you're like me, that sentence kind of makes you scream on the inside a little. <laughs> and Because um, told by whom? Yeah. And then like, yeah. And if you're not a writer uh, or like aren't um, sure why that sentence is so wrong, um, you're there's like as a writer if you're writing fiction or even nonfiction I think articles like you're told to use the active voice mm-hmm. which is not writers are told to but it's like I am telling you a writer or whatever that's um, one of the biggest tells between a uh, amateur writer and someone who's been doing it for a while is how often they slip into passive voice yeah but then and this kind of blew my mind because I hadn't ever thought about it this way but it's like journal articles are often written in passive voice Pardon me, some scientists write their journal articles in passive voice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, reading as many like journal articles as I have, I never really picked up on why they were doing that. Mm-hmm. It just feels like this is the format. And I was like, oh, that's the format of science because they want to leave the data. And it sounds so much less professional to say... Um, the, the, I gave each college student a bottle of 20 progenitive varics and told them to take one every night until they were gone. Yeah. It sounds more authoritative to say, the subjects were administered progenitivory box. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, the main point is that passive voice removes the actor, leaving only the acted upon. And that just sounds so much more authoritative. I really it's want like, to... This is just the state of nature. It just happens. I want to rewrite or maybe like train an AI to just like find and replace but like i want to see a journal article now written in like active voice where i feel like (laughs) it would just sound really fun and then i told the subjects to spin around three times and joe because he's an idiot only turned around two (laughs) times and i was like (laughs) this this ties nicely into the like the difference between like learning from something and experiencing something right Mm -hmm. and i i like this line that i'm glad was pulled out by whoever put the notes together i'm assuming in yash where uh it says non-fiction non-fiction conveys Sorry. Nonfiction conveys knowledge. Fiction conveys experience. And that is like the takeaway. And the fun thing is that you can get both. Like you can, you can learn from fiction. You can learn real things, but it's told in a story that lets you experience the knowledge or the, the process itself. In a way it's like, um, like all books are teaching you something because you're experiencing things from the perspective of the characters. He, I, think. I, I know he wrote in one of the author's posts, maybe maybe it was a comment on a Reddit instead. I think it was an author's note, though. Um, uh, Eliezer wrote that that was part of the reason he wrote HPMOR, was that so people would have the experience of using rationality rather than just, you know, reading about how it could be done. Yeah. Um, ra- the That's the my cr- favorite genre of book also. The, like, is- basically rat fic, but, like, mm-hmm. the thing where... It teaches you something like it's a it's not only I'm enjoying the shit out of watching this assassin try to sneak around this diplomat's house uh, to kill him with a magic sword. (laughs) Um, But it's like you're also learning diplomacy as like the assassin is learning diplomacy. And like that's the author's purpose of writing the book, too. Not just because I wanted to tell a fun story about an assassin, but also I want to teach people about this cool thing. Yeah, I think that the inception and creation of Methods of Rationality is one of like my favorite just things that have happened. Because it, <laughs> it had so many purposes to it, and I think it hit all of them. Yeah, the fact that there was the, the, the like term rationalist fiction that was coined now, and now it can be a genre that people can sort of aim at is like 
my favorite thing that has happened in literature in my yeah, lifetime. Right. Well, it's like it's basically, if I look back at all the, my favorite books, and I have done this, uh, and like I did a critical analysis of all my childhood favorite books because I, I do that for fun sometimes, uh, they're all rapfic <laughs> <laughs> for kids uh, yeah. or, or, or not, or for adults. But Watching people figure out problems is fun. Yeah. And when you get to experience figuring out the problem with them, it's extra fun. That's what I really liked about the BBC's take on Sherlock, as opposed to like the uh, Robert Downey Jr. movie. Yeah. Great, both great actors, both great approaches. But like what I liked about the BBC one was that you get the clues and you get to try and solve it with him. Rather than just like at the end, Sherlock tells you that this smelled like this and that guy's, the, the mud on his pant leg indicated that. It's like, well, I didn't, I didn't see that yeah, you, going Yeah, you get through. to see his like... It's a totally different genre, I think, where basically you're watching a superhero show if you're watching the Downey uh, Holmes, because you just see somebody who's smart and uses smartness like a superpower, where they're just, I will apply smartness. And he whips it all out at the end. You, they, know, like, you, you see him at some point like taste the, the, the gravel on like this exploded grave or something, but you don't know what it tastes like. You don't get the information. <laughs> In the BBC version, it puts text across the screen when he's looking at like the woman's wedding ring. And it he looks you, at yeah, it. Yeah, what he's looking at, and, and then like a looks, bunch of exactly the inside is clean, indicating that she takes it off a bunch and like little things like that. So you get the data too. It's I a, heard it got worse as it went along, though. It did. Okay, stop at the end of season two. <laughs> okay, okay, that is where I actually stopped. Yeah, because they started season three, and I was like, this this doesn't feel as good. It ended well yeah. on season two. Yeah, um, that's like. I love Batman, but the, like, I, there's things about Batman that are just ridiculous. One of them is this, uh, he's actually the world's greatest detective. Mm-hmm. That was like his original uh, title, and they pushed that a lot more. Mm-hmm. Now he's more like rich guy that just buys mech suits. But uh, it would always be this like ridiculous <laughs> plot armor thing that they would like pull out at the end where <laughs> it, it wasn't... like I, I deduced that because I... like. Because... I wrote a computer program that analyzed your thing and just like, you know, it's just like, it's, it's bullshit. He's just, they're just fully like, it's not anything you could reproduce. Because I knew this about you. I knew that you were going to use this attack, which is why I'm wearing this special yeah. attack repellent. <laughs> I'm recording. We want more in a couple of days. And I love after like the, uh, like the coup at Hogwarts, Draco becomes like, he's just obsessed, with like acting like a Sherlockian detective. <laughs> and so he brings in like all the stack of books and he, it's like, well, wait, General Granger read all of those in two weeks, and he's like, well, no, all we know is that she checked them out. Actually, all we observed is that the ledger says that she checked them out. And then later on, and it's like, how'd you come to discover this, Malfoy? I deduced it from evidence. <laughs> <laughs> he's just having, like, he's he's just saying the words, but like, that's not an answer. <laughs> he's just having a good time with it. Or, or at least I'm having a good time with him having his, whatever kind of time he's having with it. So. Well, it's kind of like when they were also pretending to be, like, well, I don't know how much Draco was pretending, but they were pretending to be, like, evil generals. And, like, didn't Harry have, like, a lawn chair that was, like, sprayed with black spray paint glitter. And, <laughs> and covered in glitter? Yeah. I don't know if it was a lawn chair, but it was definitely a chair that he heavily and, modified. And he had, like, a hood over his head, and he was, like, talking, like, uh... Yeah, he uh, would make people quote, um, um, things from the Jabberwock as part of their passcodes. Like, I have deduced something in general Malfoy. He's like, he's like <laughs> especially imagining an 11 year old kid like with you know like a Halloween cloak mm-hmm. doing his best Palpatine yeah. yeah that was too much trying to think of Palpatine mm-hmm. anyway um, do we have more to say about uh, all of that's, rev- all of that's re- relevant because the experience of enjoying fiction mm-hmm. you get to learn stuff and experience at the same time see it all it all comes back home I'm really good now at like driving segues straight back to the topic pretending like it was on purpose <laughs> nice because we're 60% segues and we want more. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the he brings this along to um, 
why the writing is important again because the passive voice sounds authoritative it's not like um something was it's not like someone did something else to people it just like happened you know this is and when that when things just happen it feels inevitable it feels like a force of nature it's not like something that someone specifically did for a goal uh so people are much more likely to accept it and he says uh in this quote that i pulled a writer knows that readers will not stop for a minute to think which actually is a thing that comes up quite a bit with uh, you and um, Brian when you talk about the um, um, We Want More po uh, podcast. When you're like, yeah, when I first read this, I just kept reading and going through it. Like, I didn't stop after every couple chapters and think for, and record for a number of hours. That is not read. the usual process of consuming fiction exactly. or consuming anything. Yeah. So that's, that's why you why just like keep reading. That's yeah. why I like writing critical analyses for fun. Like, I wasn't joking about that mm -hmm. because... I do that with everything. I mean, if there's something I'm really into, I'm just like, next chapter, next mm -hmm. chapter, mm -hmm. more, give me more. Mm -hmm. And you see this. That's why eventually I love, uh, you're like, oh my God, it's 3 a.m. and I got to work in four hours. <laughs> yeah, but then like, uh, but there's stuff even hidden in there, even though you're enjoying the hell out of it, but you're skimming over so much of it. And when mm -hmm. you go back and like, you figure out why you liked it, it's so satisfying. Yeah. It's, and yeah, there's, there's a whole, you know what? That's critical reading theory. I'm not going to get into that. I was just going <laughs> to say there's a... Yeah. Oh, no, With no. the medium is the message and yeah, yeah. maybe let's not okay. launch into but as he was saying uh <laughs> to to complete the quote a writer knows the reader will not stop for a minute to think a fictional experience is a continuous stream of first impressions uh he continues on i truncated this a bit to make the claim that um often steel manning leads to losing track of the first impression uh what the audience sees or or feels which is to say that like people will go back and analyze what uh, someone has said and be like, well, I mean, maybe he meant this and it is technically true in this sense and all these other things. And maybe all that is true. And we see this especially, in my opinion, a lot during Trump's speeches. I was going to say in politics generally. Yeah, where like Trump says something and afterwards you're like, well, you know, technically he didn't say that, um, that neo-Nazis are great and he loves white supremacists, right? When, when someone says, do you denounce them? Sure. Yeah, sure. Why not? But like, that's not the, it, it, that's not the first impression. When you're just listening to the stream of consciousness that comes out of his mouth, what you feel is him saying, eh, whatever. Sure. Yeah, whatever. Like it's, you know, like this, the, the white nationalism is not a big deal to him as opposed to, yes, he's agreeing that he denounces them. And, and that can, that is kind of the whole purpose of using these sort of manipulative language to, yeah. uh, to cloak, to cloak the actual impression that is conveyed behind uh, the sort of technical legitimacy. No, in particular though, there were, well, oh, I just lost my, uh, okay. Earlier you are saying that like passive voice uh, creates a distant feeling of authoritativeness. Mm -hmm. And in particular, uh, Eliezer was talking about Orwell's writing because it was authoritarianism that he was trying to like he was trying to point out all of the tactics that the authoritarian or that the totalitarian governments were using by using extremely simple language. And Orwell was trying to prove that if you like, if you took Trump's rambling and actually like truncated each one to like basic, a basic summary of what he had just said <laughs> in simple language, rather than all the meandering, you'd be like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. My my funny thing on Trump is like, you know, whatever, a week or two ago, it's hard to say because how many, however many 50 news cycles that was, but like, 
he said something long. Someone asked him, like, what, you know, QAnon, and, you know, I was a big fan of yours. What do you have to say about that? And he's like, well, I don't know who they are, but I hear they like me, so whatever. Like, on the one hand, <laughs> I like, like that, that's a very like trans, me. like, to someone who believes in dog whistling, that's a very transparent dog whistle that, like, oh, yes, I support all this and stuff. I never want to rule out the fact that he literally is just that stupid yeah. and that out of touch. Like, that to me is a much more plausible explanation. Oh, I, that's. That, entirely what i've thought like I, I think i think that it's, it's it's a common interpretation though that he's you know <laughs> giving it like a fox well that well or that he's you know he's aware of everything and that he's he's playing you know yeah. a convoluted language game like i don't think he's playing a game i think he's he's just rampaging through the field not knowing what sport he's in right and i think people, a lot like, of people don't know it. who QAnon is or what they're about but the president should uh at this Maybe at this, at this like point a weird fringe cult but they're weird. For, like, so oh, here's the another one. They, when he was endorsed by David Duke, the head of the KKK, mm-hmm. he's like, I've never, I've never met the guy. I don't know who he is. Like, he did, you, but didn't uh, he like really denounce him just the next day? I don't remember. He really should have done it the same day though. Well, Trump but wasn't well, like he wasn't in politics with a capital P before he was elected. That's true. So he like, was in politics to get viewers. And once he got in politics, he didn't have, like suddenly start reading up on. And anything of note there uh-huh. he just continued along but like if you don't know who the kkk are it's like you're, you're, you don't get an excuse for being out of touch like your dad was in the kkk like you, you, you it, this was is his dad in the kkk yeah holy shit he was arrested and everything trump's uh, dad yeah oh my god <laughs> so like you don't get to pretend like you've never heard of it yeah. i mean he also said he didn't know the flu could kill people even though the 19 the the, oh, the spanish flu killed his grandfather like <laughs> he the, I mean, so like it, so th- this this substantiates my my running hypothesis that he really is just that dumb okay like this this isn't a clever language game it looks like dementia to me it 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 does to me but i without even armchair diagnosing him uh i i can at least say confidently that he seems stupid as hell so anyway yeah we're getting we're getting we're we're getting away politics again but there's a mind killer podcast sorry to our trump supporter listeners (laughs) if you want to have your mind killed with politics that podcast is also available that's right check out the mind killers (laughs) so but 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 this ties to and this is why it all kind of came up is that meaning doesn't excuse impact it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what you meant it matters what people took from it yeah and so anyone who's skilled at communicating will know right and so, like, well, and so this this is this this post is in the context of like writing deliberately. Mm-hmm. But if even if you're just saying things in front of a TV, like it it doesn't exactly matter what you meant because if everyone takes the wrong thing from it, well, then you said the wrong thing. You didn't you didn't convey the message you're trying to convey. I do think that's part of his genius. His words don't mean anything. You don't even have to look at what the words are, but the impact upon, always is what he wants to be. I think he's stumbled upon a good strategy by complete accident, like just by being dumb. Yeah. People think that he's so dumb that he must be up to something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no one's no one's possibly that dumb. He's so smart. <laughs> it's fifth dimensional chess. <laughs> Eliezer ends the post with, I don't care what rational interpretation you can construct for an applause light like AI should be developed through dem- democratic processes. That cannot excuse its irrational impact of signaling the audience to applaud, not to mention its cloudy question-begging vagueness. <laughs> and can we like switch it and be like, democratic processes should develop AI? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all you have to do to be like, if if you simplify it, does it like still make sense and like make you want to applaud or do you go like wait what (laughs) hold up a minute which is really why i just stopped for a second i was like right yeah wait wait, what does that even mean how how does a democratic process create an ai like what by voting for 
Like, <laughs> yeah. There was a great episode of the Orville like this. They come across like basically a parallel Earth, but everything runs on 100% direct democracy. <laughs> Literally everything. And so, oh, I remember like, that. And they're all like, so, Wait, so can you? Yeah, so he, yeah. he violates a statue in a joking way, and it's posted to social media, and everyone's voting for him to go to prison. Mm-hmm. And like, just everyone on their app or on their touchscreen TV, whatever, they see the news clip and they just click the, the, the red X or the green check mark. And that's that's how justice is decided in this culture. Just for a sec, could you tell me, like, if, were there other hilarious things in this book that were, like, controlled by democratic process? This was uh, Seth MacFarlane's uh, Star Trek TV show called The Orville. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, the book uh, is a modern-day detective story that I was plugging earlier. Tana French is in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's different. No, I was I was saying... Um... The, the world you were just describing where you were saying everything is run on democratic process. It was, it was a single 45-minute episode. Oh, okay. So that was show. the only yeah. incidence of that. I mean, Dang. Because I was trying to imagine. I was like, oh, man, I, if there's like a whole book about this. <laughs> that would be fun. I don't know if it was everything like coffee prices and stuff, but it was at least every matter of legal uh, stuff. Yeah. And so like your, your legal defense was going on a, an apology tour. Right. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't explaining <laughs> that you were actually, you know, innocent. It's mm-hmm. creepy because that's kind of how like a lot of things are done on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> that is why Twitter is the worst <laughs> thing in the world. Getting canceled. <laughs> yeah, Twitter. And people being able to basically cast tweets as votes as to whether you're canceled or uncanceled. Twitter is a good example of this democracy thing, except for the fact that you don't need a majority vote to win on Twitter, whereas you would. Well, in no, this you kind of do. I mean, you have to be able to sway the. You only need 60 angry people to... Yeah, but know, I mean, they have to be able to sway the opinions of all the other people that they... You or to get them to shut up, yeah. But that's a good point. They have to they, they have to at least not shut up everyone else. Or not... They have to succeed in not like having everyone else Like, it has to be too embarrassing to, like, this person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, if someone said, or, like, I don't know, some actor said something racist, and then, like, and even if you don't think that he said something racist, if all of your friends do, you can't defend him you can't watch his movies or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> which we'll get into our topic later on and speaking yeah. of how uh uh twitter's the worst this brings us to our next post human evil and muddled thinking you're I so could, good at segues i can't now. think of a better segue <laughs> it's I like got, it's like that was on purpose i gotta say this um this post is not like one of the famous posts that people talk about a lot and after having reread it i don't know why not. I keep thinking that about a, bun- a bunch of the sequences we're reading, though, where I'm like, why isn't this one more popular? And I'm I, like, oh, I guess I did that thing of reading them all really fast. <laughs> okay. I think this one, combined with the one just before it as a setup, I don't really should probably be one of the foundational ones, and I'm kind of surprised it's not. But. I, don't, I don't even remember either of these. Were they even included in uh, AI to Zombies? They were. That's how I listened to them on the drive huh. over. Maybe okay. I just... It's annoying because my podcatcher doesn't like let me search for title episode titles. Hmm. So I have to just scroll through them because it's not in order of, as it is uh, on the sequences. Yeah. I just have to find them. These <laughs> two happen to be next to each other in the book, but it was still scrolling through 300 oh, man. posts or whatever. But yeah. Okay. Anyway, human evil and muddled thinking intertwine like conjugate strands of DNA. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then Orwell, uh, political speech and writing are largely in defense of the indefensible. If you simplify English, you are freed from the worst follies of orthodoxy. You cannot speak any of the necessary dialects. When you make stupid remarks, its stupidity will be obvious, even to yourself. And that's kind of pointing out that if you take everything that was said in the last post about how these you know, passive voice and other tricks are used to hide the actual evil of things, if you can strip all that sort of, you know muddling of words out it becomes obvious what is actually being done that mr johnson is being thrown in jail forever without due process without a trial a uh, list uh 
It says, thus political language has to consist largely of euphemism, question begging, and sheer cloudy vagueness. So that's like the three categories of things that you have to strip out specifically. And Eliezer says, right after this quote, this is the heart of overcoming bias. <laughs> that um, you cannot speak any of the necessary dialects, and when, uh, and when you make a stupid remark, its stupidity will be obvious even to yourself. And that was like... <laughs> that should be on a t-shirt. It should, really, yeah. <laughs> And on the back of the t-shirt, this is the heart of Overcoming Bias. And also at the time, uh, Overcoming Bias is in italics. Uh, Less Wrong was still hosted on the Overcoming Bias blog. So that yeah. is why, you know, he, he... Nowadays, this would be translated as, this is the heart of Less Wrong. Well, and Overcoming Bias is also like a verb. Yeah. And yeah. so it, it works both ways. But I it mean, does. it's capitalized in italics. Yes. So, yeah. But... uh I think next time if like somebody's like, what's rationality? I'm going to be like, like, what do you guys do? Like, oh, we, we make our stupidity obvious even to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's, a good tagline. It is. <laughs> like, I Thank feel like I should That's put that. Perfect. I should, we should make business cards that say that. <laughs> like pass them out. <laughs> we make stupidity obvious even to ourselves. Like next time we're having a meetup somewhere. If you're like, well, like who, who are you guys? What's like, what are you doing? We pass out the business cards. Nice. The even to ourselves modifier is like the most important part. Cause we make stupidity obvious is the punchline of every group that hates another group. Right. Yeah. yeah. We, we point out how dumb you are, yeah. but it's like, no, no, we point out how dumb we are mm-hmm. and we strive to do better. Yeah. yeah. So he says evil sneaks hidden through the unlit shadows of the mind. For perpetrators of evil to avoid its natural opposition, the revulsion must remain latent. Clarity must be avoided at any cost. I feel like you chose today's topic like the, with the intention after, of reading it after reading these two posts. I did it not. T- it ties in so perfectly. It does. It, really does. it was yeah. the most amazing coincidence, and I'm so happy. So many things seem to be falling into place this yeah. episode. Yeah. It's almost like we should try to pick topics in the future that way. Right. Yeah, that's a lot of work, though. <laughs> that sounds like planning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I'm curious if Tyler Cohen's updated on this, or if this is like if there's a steel man of it. But apparently, according to the post, Tyler Cohen apparently feels that overcoming bias is just as biased as bias. <laughs> I view, I view Robin's blog as exemplifying bias and indeed showing that bias can be very useful. Yeah. Um, I don't... Qu- I mean, he, he points out his incredulity with that statement in the post, but I still don't quite know what that means. Like, I, mean, I, I know what it means, but I don't quite know how someone can say that without, like, you know, a... But I'm... <laughs> well, I guess, like, sometimes bias can be useful. Like, the whole point of religion oh. is to tie groups together in pursuit... in. Per- you know, in, in attacking a common enemy. That does totally and tie that can into give you a our lot topic. of bias, but it's very useful. Because they're talking, that's what we are going to get into. In yes, the main topic it is. About what, when bias can be useful. But I also hear similar things about, like, people say that about logic or science. They're like, well, logic and rationality are constructs of Western imperialism. <laughs> yeah. and science was done almost exclusively by rich white guys. Yes, yes. And it's like, Okay, sure, but how fast does a bowling ball drop when you drop it off a building? That's racist, Stephen. <laughs> how dare you? Like, wouldn't it be a remarkable fact of nature that if you're a black trans woman, it fell at five meters per second per second when you dropped a bowling ball? Yeah. If we lived in that universe where, depending on who you were, changed what happened, that would be insane. Dude, we would have to start paying people to become black trans women so that we could get things into orbit cheaper. <laughs> I was going to say, space travel would be so much cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Like... Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, I didn't mean to like. I'm not picking on a group. I'm just saying that like. No, I'm, I, I'm picking the opposite of Isaac Newton, right? I, I'm being and, upset about this because there is evidence that late transitioning trans women have like average 130 IQ, oh. and like science shows this. But social justice means we can't talk about it because mm. everybody's equal. Yes, I. 
I've heard that from people that there's no difference. Have you seen how many like um, what's Chelsea Manning like? uh, No, god damn it! I'm trying to think of anyway. Like basically, if you think of who who were like uh, I don't know, um, what's like the primary profession you see a lot of trans women in? probably engineering programming mathematics i I would say that but i also have a very skewed uh group selection bias thing so um like most of the people that i know are programmers the less strong community is uh it very largely overrepresents um educated white men but also um lgbt specifically trans women has like and somehow we're still transphobic four times the rate of uh trans women as the general population right i think more more than that i'm not really sure i'd have to see this you know the latest ssc numbers but i and I, I mean, I, even three to four times more is a lot. It it it, it suggests to me that we're not trans exclusive. Right. But you know, if if, if you're coming under, the, I'm I'm still annoyed with the charge that that's the case. But uh, that's that, not what we're here to talk charge? about. Absolutely. That rationalism or that rationalists in general? Yeah. Oh no, we're equated with like the alt right if it's the SJWs or if it's the conservatives the other way around, like. Does that okay. you know how like people have to paint their political enemies as like as evil as possible? Yeah. Okay. And all being in the same bucket, so like, or, if, or, yeah, endorsing all of the same thing. You know, like the why, ah. the, why do you care about gun control and abortion? Okay. Right. Like, so if, if Dave Rubin doesn't like social justice warriors and some rationalists don't like social justice warriors, well, then they're both obviously opposed and thus and obviously on the feminism. exact same side, right? Oh. And so they all have to endorse all of each other's opinions because. It's like people don't realize there's different reasons people can hate you. <laughs> or, or are really or, confused by um, my politics and a lot of other rational where they're like, you know, that they assume that if you're a Democrat, then you don't like that you hate guns and yeah, are pro-abortion and uh, anti-capitalist. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. no, I like have different opinions about each of these things. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't just pick, you know, an affiliation and then that decides my opinions about everything. And like, really? That's weird. <laughs> did you see the meme of the virgin centrist versus the Chad centrist? No, I did not. You know, the political compass, y- Yeah. the virgin centrist has all their beliefs uh, like overlapped right near the center. The Chad centrist has all their beliefs in a big old ring around the entire thing. <laughs> so they average out to in the center, but they're, yeah. I guess I'm a Chad centrist. <laughs> yes. It's perfect. Oh. We really we're we're moving quickly into crony beliefs. We yes, finish we this are. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll I'll, I, I'll go. Do you want to do this one? I'll, I'll actually ask if we could take a tea break before we uh, move on to the main subject. Yeah, we'll do that before we move on to the main subject. But we'll we'll push through this. Um, maybe overcoming bias doesn't look quite exciting enough if it's framed as a struggle against mere accidental mistakes. Maybe it's harder to get excited if there isn't some clear evil to oppose. <laughs> so let us be absolutely clear where where there is human evil in the world. Where there is cruelty and torture and deliberate murder, there are biases enshrouding it. And, I mean, bullet point there, that's fucking tight. Mm-hmm. Um, this yeah. is a really well-written, like, sort of manifesto of right? rationality. Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, yeah, exactly, of clear thinking and the virtues of it. Mm-hmm. Where people of clear sight oppose these biases, the concealed evil fights back. The truth does have enemies. If overcoming bias were a newsletter in the old Soviet Union, every poster and commenter of overcoming bias would have been shipped off to labor camps. In all human history, every great leap forward has been driven by a new clarity of thought. Except for a few natural catastrophes, every great woe has been driven by stupidity. Our last enemy is ourselves, and this is a war, and we are soldiers. High five. <laughs> Fuck yeah! <laughs> yeah. And Yash is high-fiving us if you can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I even heard that really in the good, voice though. of... Um, 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 who, Lawrence Fishburne from The Matrix. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, this is a war, better. and we are soldiers. 
I wonder how much we'd have to pay him to like do a reading of this. Too much. Awesome. That's yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. We, we Unless do. he's listening right now, Lawrence Fishburne, <laughs> or anyone who sounds like Lawrence Fishburne and can do a good impression, we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll settle for that. You know what? Like the first time we have a celebrity endorse rationality, like we're gonna blow up. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't wouldn't know, it be think? fucking hilarious if, like, I don't know, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow or something was just like, oh, and like, I, you know, like instead of like I'm doing numerology or yeah. whatever, like things celebrities talk to Oprah about, it's like I got into this, you know, overcoming bias thing, and uh, I would rather do without Gwyneth Paltrow's endorsement, but it's gonna be some. I mean, she would be like a big convert, though, you know, it'd be like oh, the if person she, who if used she converted, to, sure. Yeah, if she said like that's why I need to torture the Christians now, you know what? becomes one. I want to register this prediction somehow because like. Like, it has to be, like, some rando celebrity is going to say something about, like, the lesser on community and suddenly we'll be on the map. Hmm. (laughs) I want want it to be Keanu Reeves. It would be awesome if it was Keanu Reeves. He's like, this was the secret to my immortality. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right, so you you had a a brackets here. I do have a question for us. Go for it. So, I, I I love that idea that evil hides in, um, in stupidity and in bias and the more we can shine light on things the more we just root out all evil. But my question is like, how true is this? I think that, he, I don't know if he's saying all evil resides there. Well, maybe... maybe He kind of, he kind of says most evil seems to reside there. Most evil. <laughs> from what I can tell. And yeah. I think, I think it's his, true. A um, lot of his argument is that you have to hide evil because otherwise the vast majority of people would reject it. They would be like, no, I'm not okay with Mr. Johnson being held in prison forever without a trial. And... uh like, I just, I don't know if that's true anymore after, like, seeing Guantanamo Bay. But you have to see some, like, obscurity and muddy thinking to make that the case, you know? So, like, the muddy thinking is that everyone in Guantanamo deserves it because they're dangerous. Yeah. And, and waterboarding isn't really torture. It's just an interrogation technique, right? Okay. Like, uh, and it, it, it all... aren't really human. Right. right. Well, that's, that's pushing it a little, like, that, <laughs> well, that, that I mean, obscurity is a little more obvious. I, but, I think yeah. a lot of people, like... A lot of Germans would not have let Hitler come to power if they didn't have those crony beliefs. And of course, we're going to get into that. Of uh, yeah, it's those the damn Jews. Jews. Are actually harmful. You know, like, and they probably all like, well, you know, I, I know Jewish people. They're not like monsters. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, but like, but they were willing to accept that belief because it. I guess I'm kind of just getting into the next thing now. It served well, a purpose. Yeah, but like the it's beneficial to them. The the examples of like modern evils, you know, like the the ice internment camps and stuff. Like people who are big fans of them because they hate, pe- you know, they hate the people in them. Mm-hmm. Um, even they won't yeah, come well, out. They, they they don't come right out and say. Most often, they're like, "I hate Mexican people. That's why I like that they're in pri- that they're in these tar- terrible prisons." Oh, racists will never they, say that they're racist, and they don't think they're racist. Some, they used to. Like in the fifties, racists were actually like, "Yeah, well, you know, when, white people are just better." When it was acceptable. Like, right, and now, it's now not they socially muddy acceptable thinking. now, but they still like they'll be like, "Well, I'm not really racist. I believe in like scientific determinism or whatever the hell it's called." Or, and they'll and they'll say like, "You know, I just want to protect our our heritage or our culture." They they couch it in all this muddy thinking, yeah. right? But if if we're able to point a big spotlight at it and you know actually address it directly, it would come out and being the same you know 1950s bullshit, right? And society is less tolerant of that now. I just I think that there there are actual legit people out there that i would call evil but they're people who really only care about themselves and don't care who they hurt um and you know i think one of them is our president which is how we have proof that these sorts of people exist but 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 if like but he only has support because he gives plausible deniability and couches everything and like we were talking about with the the muddy thing with the muddied language and vagueness right okay if he came right out and said you know like during the debate when he 
uh, didn't want to denounce the Proud Boys. Yeah. He had said, what, stand back and stand ready or something? Stand like, back and stand by. Right. Have you been like... And oh. so, like, if... if that, that that's that's not him saying you guys are the best keep your guns polished right mm -hmm. Th that's the that's the level where like he's able to muddy the thinking by not engaging it directly mm -hmm. and everyone else then is now given cover to say oh no he didn't really say that he supports them in fact stand back kind of sounds like he's telling them to you know take it easy so it allows people to play this game so you think if if more of the world if the sanity waterline was raised and more of the world was not if people knew about their own, like, tendency to... If we were all Bayesians, to... he wouldn't be in power, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Even the people who agree with some of his policies wouldn't put up with it. Yeah, I think that that's the main thing. And that, that actually is where I'm really glad uh, that the next that our big post ends up, or our topic for today on raising the sanity of the waterline, because that is apparently the solution, I think. Right? Yeah. It, it, it's just a matter of building a community, and hopefully the community encompasses everybody, um, of people who are okay... Uh, changing their minds and, and, and thinking uh, critically about their own beliefs and biases, and it right? It does sound like the perfect time for rationality, if you think about what he was talking about with uh, Orwell and other writers and, and whenever, you know, whenever shit starts to happen to the human race and right now we've got this, like, Trump uh, presidency possibly, like, going into, well, we'll see what happens with COVID, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, and COVID and, yeah, um, and also a lot of things are on fire, although it's only f affecting those of us with constant forest fires as part of our weather pattern now, but <laughs> every climate change is affecting everybody. I don't know if those two have to do with each other, though. That was a tangent. <laughs> no, it's all good. Well, it was, I was trying to make a point, and then I kind of got lost in the weeds of my point. But uh, should, yeah. we, should we wrap up the posts then? Yeah. I think we... We've got to mention that next time we're doing double think, choosing to be biased, why I'm Blooking, is that that is what it says? I double checked. Yeah, it's a combination of blocking and booking. All right. Well, I, I hate it. It's hard to say. Um, and planning fallacy. Yeah. And we're doing three because why I'm blooking is very short and almost nothing. Perfect. It's like vlogging. Yeah. At least vlogging. I now I know what it says. Blooking. It just sounds like they misspelled <laughs> booking or looking. Some things don't work very well as portmanteaus, and we just shouldn't. Or maybe we should because they like vlogging is a hilarious word. Mm portmanteauing things is tight i still thought it was really like or i continue to think it's really funny that like when the president was using twitter and like the fact that twitter became like politically relevant and like important political mm -hmm. people had to say the word twitter and talk about the fact that like <laughs> now policy is being done via tweet like, this is the weirdest future yeah. yeah that was the thing is like that's how the world learned that the president has covid because in a tweet after midnight he's like, I've, got, you know, I've got i got covid I, I don't know there was that one uh, i mean all right we're, i don't want to go into political Can you rant do that voice <laughs> it's my version actually from bbc sherlock's uh moriarty oh. um at, when uh in the finale oh, yeah, of the second season voice. on when they're on the rooftop and he's like, oh, it must be true because I read it in the newspaper. I love newspapers. <laughs> like, that, that's my, like, uh, you know, sheeple voice inter impersonation when I'm trying to be uh, tongue-in-cheek about it. Cool. Also, that actor fucking nailed that character. Oh, was so he was good. so good. Everybody did a great job. Yeah. Our main topic t for today is an article on MeltingAsphalt.com called Crony Beliefs. And I'm betting a lot of people have heard of this, but I'd, I'd heard of it for a long time, but I'd never gotten around to reading it until it was assigned reading, and I fucking loved it. Um, at the top, he also links to a uh, now uh, 
inactive podcast that reads, I think I did like 18 cool essays, one of which is Meditations on Moloch, that's like an hour and a half. So I got to listen to this on the drive home yesterday and it was fun. But uh, what I like about this too is I'm going to share this with a friend who texts me once every two or three weeks asking like, how do you deal with this kind of crazy person? Mm. And (laughs) I think this is actually a good foundation for why is this person crazy? And I'm using that term broadly because we're going to explain what that means throughout it. But the it opens up with talking about how, like, in our head, everything makes sense. Our beliefs don't feel, you know, like they're incongruent or that they're that they're uh, out there. It just feels like the way things are. We all know that because we're all rationalists already. But then you consider the beliefs of other people. It's an epistemic shit show out there. <laughs> how could anyone believe this stuff? Like, no, seriously, how? And that's the point of the that's the that's the exploration here. Like, or the 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 point of exploration here. Like, it's. It is not sufficient to say because they're stupid. That's not a good answer, and it's a that's a lazy response. Yeah. It, it is worth. Or they're evil. Yeah, or they're evil. But like you just picture something like astrology. Like they're not. You know, it's easy to say they're stupid because they believe in that. But it's like no, but that 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 paints way, way too broad a brush. You know, you can find yeah. otherwise smart people who believe in astrology. So like, what are they selectively stupid? Like, also, evil isn't a thing that exists. That, that always bugs me. But like. We're, but when we took a break, we were just talking about SJWs, but like nobody does things because of evil. Like mm-hmm. in, in, in their head, they're not like, man, wouldn't it be evil if I did this evil thing? <laughs> like, gotta, I could yeah. score more points with well, my evil God. Uh, you know what? I really want to do this thing to help this parent, but I got to do, I got to not do that for the sake of evil. You know, <laughs> that's my. That's why Voldemort from Method of Ra- or from not Methods of Rationality is such a boring character, or like Palpatine. Like <laughs> any uh, villain that is just evil, like a Disney villain. Even Disney villains, they generally have like tried to make them more like three dimensional as characters rather than classic Disney, where it was just like I am an evil witch and I will put- cast a spell on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love being evil. <laughs> you poison apple because you're pretty and I'm evil. <laughs> I mean, not to say that doesn't sound fun. I did have a story that I wrote in middle school or like a kind of ongoing, uh, I don't want to reboot this, but it was just like, it would be really fun to write from the perspective of like, I was like, it, it's the henchman of like the evil yeah. character in your like typical hero versus villain thing. And the henchman also is evil and enjoys being evil, but it was just like, the sort of actually like let's put on our dark cloaks and laugh now ah, ha, 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 ha. and like i was like it would actually be really fun to live in a world where like it's th- that kind of slapstick silly <laughs> i don't know this is sort of how i felt about worm different in a different way too where like it is kind of fun you know being being the bad guy it'd be nice and relaxing if like reality was that nicely but they still don't think that the bad guy right <laughs> anyway so the now there's still some controversy about whether she's the bad guy Taylor did nothing wrong. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think anyone thinks that she was the bad guy. They wonder if she did bad things. I don't think you get I to save the world. people that say she's the bad well, guy. I don't think you get to save the world well, and be called a bad guy. She knew she was doing bad things. She thinks they were justified. And some of the readers think they were not justified. Right. And I t- and, and actually, like, that maybe that was the point of the book. Yeah. <laughs> Assume it was intentional by the author. I, I have not read it, but um, I people could make the case that maybe the world could have been saved in a different way with a not evil person, right? I'm not assuming. really, actually. No. Okay. It, it, was, it was a necessary evil. Okay. Like, uh, like, un, uh, like Ender's I think, Game. Yeah. Like, like, a, a, like, I don't think Ender's Game was a necessary evil. You didn't have to genocide the aliens. <laughs> actually, uh, I, will, I only brought that up because when I read the book, um, they'd probably still do this, but oh, what's the author's name? Card? Orson, Orson Scott, Scott Card. Card had, like, at the end, there was a bunch of discussion questions. Mm. And I remember being like, 
I've never read like a fiction book where at the end the author's like, and here's some discussion questions that like you could bring up if you're talking about the book with your friends or if it happens to be like read in school. And I was just like, that's cool. And one of them was like, was this justified? And I was just like, was it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was, you know, a kid and I was just totally on Ender's side because like I related to Ender a lot. Yeah. And it seemed, you know, it, well, it's all, also easy to be on his side because he yeah. was used. He didn't know he was genociding aliens. But like, he also like all of his things he was thinking of made internal sense. Where it was just sort of like, I'm trying to protect myself by doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because the adults had actually manipulated him. Like, and because the adults made it very clear they would never protect him. Yeah, and he was on his own. Yeah, it was. It was a really good book. And I was just floundering on Taylor and Worm because I I do think there was literally no other way to save this. Okay. Like so, it it was a lot of fun. It was great, great setup. Okay. And then it, so it forced you to think like, okay, is it all right to do bad things for the greater good? Yeah, and, and that's a whole like, you know, going back to Crony Blues here. Um, yes. So we should get back <laughs> onto the topic then. Where even if you know you're doing bad, that like most people who are doing bad things like can know they're doing bad things, but think they're justified. It's like the, again, there's there's not. Because this person's stupid, they believe this, or because they're evil, it's like, it feels internally justified. I do like that he kind of brings attention to the fact that most people, when they say, how could anyone believe this stuff, they, they aren't actually asking. They're just, that's applause lights yeah. for those. That's I know, right? Yeah. Ha, ha, that's why he says, no, no seriously, seriously, how? Yeah. yeah. People are dumb and suck. And, you know. So, so the essay opens up with, like, an analogy that isn't perfect, but I think the author says, I think it gets us 70% of the way there. And it's a way to think of... Imagine that your beliefs are like employees at your company, right? Mm -hmm. And for the most part, you hire them because they do a good job. And that is to say they're accurate. They pay rent in our own own lingo. (laughs) They're Um, employees. They get paid. They pay rent. Exactly. (laughs) And, And yet you live in a society with a corrupt city council and they, if you're, if you don't hire people who work for the, you know, that aren't. Uh, you know, the cousin or nephew or whatever city council member is, well, they don't give your company permits and you eventually get, you know, uh, just beaten Sued down by the, something. Exactly. Yeah. You, you get beaten down into oblivion. So you need to, you need to hire some crony employees for this nepotistic, terrible society you're in yeah. just to stay afloat in the world that you exist in. Every company needs one employer that's like a cousin to the mayor or yeah. assistant to someone on, sister on someone's city council or something. Exactly. Yeah, they're the uh, director of something. Yeah. And so that, the, the analogy here is that the, the cronies that you have to hire, these are the beliefs that you have for basically, um, I was going to say not good reasons, but there actually are, that, that, that is a good reason, like, right? Yeah. It, is, it is for survival. Um, um, he says, like, every belief has a job to do. And for the merit-based beliefs, like the merit-based employees, it's, uh, the job is to help you survive and to have more reproductive success. Yeah. And any, that's the bottom line of the organism. And uh, any belief that inaccurately models the, models the world uh and leads you astray would generally be let go like an employee that isn't doing their job yeah i'd want to call those like instrumental beliefs where whether it's a good or bad belief it like it's it it's helping you achieve a goal yeah um i found the word what, what were the two they had merit beliefs and crony beliefs yeah yeah i've kept finding the word merit belief to sound too much like i don't know it's like my one nitpick with this essay uh you don't like the term merit belief uh, I, I prefer the like instrumental because it sounds like a good belief, merit. I don't know. Well, crony crony beliefs are also inst- serve the instrumental yeah. purpose of keeping you afloat in society, right? Yeah, yeah. He says the crony employees earn their keep not by doing good work, but by keeping the mayor off the company's back. So they do have a purpose, and it is valuable to the to the company. Yeah, he said. Um, uh, what was it right here? 
right? That they're hired not for accurate modeling the, modeling the world, but these beliefs are hired for social and political kickbacks. And then he quotes Steven Pinker saying, people are embraced or condemned according to their beliefs. So one function of the mind may be to hold beliefs that bring the belief holder the greatest number of allies, protectors, or dis disciples, rather than beliefs that are most likely true. And yeah, he says that both beliefs ask? contribute to the bottom line, survival and reproduction. They just do it in different ways. Merit beliefs help us by navigating the world. Cronin beliefs help us by making us look good. Yeah, can I actually read the definitions that they put here? Please. Um, where they were saying that the two different reward systems they're talking about, there's a meritocracy where we monitor beliefs for accuracy out of fear that we'll stumble by acting on a false belief. And then cronyism was the reward system where we don't care about accuracy so much as whether our beliefs make the right impressions on others. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I pointed out that like, they said political, social, and then I think the author kind of was like, but basically just like only social. I mean, that's what that means. Yeah. Like, it seems like the main reason that we have these kinds of crony beliefs are to specifically navigate social interactions. And he points out that uh, a brain that doesn't adopt any crony beliefs would quickly be disadvantaged relative to blame brains that are more willing to play ball much like that company that doesn't drop any crony employees will find itself out of business in five years just because of all the all the pushback from the local politics and it's like this is a an exercise for the reader as they go through the whole thing but you try and identify like what sort of beliefs do you have that fit this bucket and luckily he gets... or have you had it's easier i think to look back and identify ones that you had in the past yeah than ones that you have currently and if you find any that you have currently like hey now you know what to work on and like this might be, um, I mean, so easy because, uh, well, it's it's a hard to not think of politically charged examples because most of your crony beliefs will be politically charged, mm -hmm. right? That's why you have them. Mm -hmm. They're uh, they're there not to serve as an accurate map of the territory, but as a um, a signal to your tribe that yes, I'm I'm in your group. Uh, so I'm trying to think of one that isn't like too inflammatory. I mean, I could say my. Uh... I had a motivated belief that my company that I was working for was a good company because I liked everything else about this job and I knew that like if I agreed that this is a bad company to work for, then I would have to face the fact that probably this isn't a good job for me. A lot of, yeah, a lot of companies try to instill that in their employees too and it always annoys me. But it really felt like a true belief until they started, until they like did three things as a company that I was like, this speaks to a pattern that they don't, they're not actually like behaving the way that they keep saying that they do and that everybody keeps saying, oh yeah, this is such a good company. They, you know, they yeah, <laughs> support their employees. Yeah, no company during the onboarding Kool-Aid drinking process will say, by the way, we suck, yeah. right? They it's put all on a really good show are. of it and I super believed it too until like... I feel you. Until I started like getting evidence to the contrary and then I like realized, I was like, wait, I have never actually questioned this whole like they were, you know... Uh, now I've, I have to look at this and be like, Wah. I don't know if it's because my parents are just kind of contrarians and hate the system in general, <laughs> or if it's because I read so much cyberpunk as a kid or something, but I have a intense distrust of any sorts of corporations. <laughs> I, I consider them dragons. And whenever they're trying to win my loyalty over, I'm like, fuck right off. <laughs> I know what you're doing. I know you're you don't care dragon. about me. Yeah. You're here for the bottom line, which is profit. And if you're only doing this because whatever it is you're doing helps increase that profit. So, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. is a kind of Moloch monster. Mm. Uh, he, he points out that, because uh, this is a less wrong reader, when we say politics is the mind killer, it's because these social rewards completely dominate the pragmatic rewards, rewards and thus we have no incentive to get at the truth. Yeah, and we're yeah, basically really... Uh, 
And your social rewards for believing your company was a good company were pretty high. Yeah. And Yeah, um, if you were the one person walking around the floor saying this place sucks and can you believe they're just here to make money, <laughs> like you would you would be uh a pariah there, right? It would also, I realized it was going to kick the legs out of a bunch of my other beliefs too. Like that was like, there was this framework of, well, I don't know. I don't want to get too like, uh, deep into this story, but it's interesting that I can kind of look at things like that. There was a similar one where I like, I had a belief that I had a good relationship with my parents and like a good childhood. And like, that was supporting so many other like stories that I had about myself that I was like, after a while I found myself defending that belief uh, and you can, and I could actually go back and think about like when I, you know, believed in religion, it felt that way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's hard to remember after the fact, I think a lot of people who are atheists can't remember what it felt like when they were a true believer, or, like how real it felt. It, it can be hard. There are a few memories I still have, like when I was a kid and I was hiding under the covers and like praying for God to protect me from Satan, who was just outside the covers and maybe under my bed, really helped. <laughs> I was like, sweet, God's keeping him away now. Which, I mean, it's super immature, because like I said, I was a really young kid, but that really felt like, oh, sweet, I got, I, got, I got this and it's helping me. Yeah, I think when you deconvert as a kid, though, then like, as an adult, I don't know, I just, I remember especially when like, neo-atheism was a thing and a lot of people were talking about, like, how could anybody believe this? It was stupid, I always knew it was stupid, or like, mm-hmm. it's a really easy belief to, and I'm just like... It, <laughs> or I even remember newly like deconverted people like no it's not like <laughs> you just don't remember it's I, really hard to see when you have fake beliefs or like crony or merit beliefs I guess yeah. um and then like realize that okay now I have to change this belief and then realize all the mental architecture that has to be restructured it's like that's so much work <laughs> yeah it's better to practice on small things that aren't of like huge actual life consequence you know like um I'm trying. They're all political examples. Like it, it, it's it's an e- it's it's a popular conception that like, uh, hmm, all right. Well, let's just go ahead and get canceled. Um, <laughs> that like the the police violence problem is like exclusively against the black population of the United States. Um, that is a popular belief, and if it's not exclusive, it is overwhelmingly so, or it's like ninety five percent or something. Right? right. Turns out cops are dicks to a lot of people. <laughs> right. um, but acknowledging that in the circle where it's like, no, no, we're here to protect the black population from the, from the cops, um, that that not just loses your social standing, but like ostracizes you, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the bummer is that like if you're trying to actually solve the problem of like you know cops are out there kind of being a lot more aggressive than they need to be in a lot of situations, irrespective of who they're pointing the gun at. Um, it's a, uh, or like, that's a really typical identity politics thing. This reminds me of, uh, when, when I was like super into feminism and, uh, one of my like evidence to the con, like, you know, um, there's like a word for this anyway. Um, I remember a bunch of people going like, well, oh, what about the men? Boo hoo. What about the men? And they're always like, there's always some guy that'll come into a conversation about like sex trafficking. You'd be like, men are sex trafficked too. And they'd be like, well, we're talking about women here. And I remember, I, I, was... I remember being like, yeah, wait, what? Like, <laughs> it's like, you know, like men, men get raped too. Well, like, but we're talking about women who get raped. That, that we're trying to get resources for women because it's the much bigger problem. And I'm like, but it's still a problem. 
like men do get raped wait a minute wait I, I thought we were like on the side of good here yeah i think people like i forget what the baseline guess was when i saw this this number but it was people assume that you know men being raped is like under five percent when it's closer to 30 percent yeah and so it's like yeah one if even if, if, if it i told like you like five percent that's still people that were raped that need resources and right. shouldn't be like dismissed because oh well you have you know social privilege now so it doesn't it probably didn't hurt you as bad like what yeah fuck I, all I, that I saw people bend over backwards like that and that is a great symptom of a crony belief yeah. where you're where you're bending over backwards to defend it and it needs I wa- to be defended we'll have to we'll have to keep digging through this because i want to a, a lot of this a lot of our seeming tangents will become much clearer when we start talking about the specifics here so like um the the cont- the other contention of the art of the post article whatever you want to call it essay is that social intens- incentives are the root of all of our biggest thinking errors mm-hmm. um i think that's probably true i mean yeah uh at least when i first the heard that i was trying of. to think of counter examples and actually i couldn't think of any like i think that that's correct yeah i mean other than like just bad information which it's 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 a it's, it's not a crony belief that exactly it's not trying to protect anything yeah but like of, of it's still a thinking error you know if you have bad data right because you're thinking on wrong information but you're not incentivized to defend that wrong information so yeah i I, I can totally buy into that if you say basically all of our biggest thinking errors are uh, the root of them is social incentives. Or specifically the having crony beliefs, yeah. Yeah. And this is actually another another important point this comes up. It's important to remember that merit beliefs aren't necessarily true, nor are crony beliefs necessarily false. What distinguishes the two concepts is how we're rewarded for them, via effective actions or via social impressions. The best we can say is that merit beliefs are more likely to be true. Right. There's probably a bunch of crony beliefs that are actually true, and maybe they were arrived at for good reason, but the point of crony beliefs is that you believe them because of the social pressures, not necessarily because they improve your life and your decisions. He gives a great example, which I want to get to at the end, because as as it was coming up, like I said, I was driving and listening to this, a smile was creeping across mm-hmm. my face, and then I was like, but wait, and then the next thing is like, yeah, but wait, you're probably thinking this, and I was like, oh, I fucking was thinking that. <laughs> oh my God. I love when that yeah, happens. Nailed it. Yeah, it was awesome. So we'll get there. That big reveal. Stay tuned. Um, the other important subtlety is that give, a given belief can serve both pragmatic and social purposes at the same time. Um, so like... It's just like your, you know, your crony nephew of the mayor hire can also be a good employee. Um, you know, a and a good crony belief that... And you didn't hire him originally because he was a good employee, but you're like, but oh, hey, it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's keep him around. I'm trying to think of one that serves kind of both of that, you know. Um, what about... Uh, that's not really a belief. Uh, I'm trying to pick one that isn't the one that he gives at the end of the post. Oh, what about... Uh, dang, I don't want to... What about the belief that Trump is a terrible president? <laughs> that, that that that's a yeah. It's probably you know what. Um, know that's a, that's probably a really good example, and it, like because people were saying that on November fifth of or wait when is the election November eighth? They're thinking, they're saying that November 9th, twenty nineteen or twenty sixteen, right? Like the day that he won, uh-huh. they were like he's he's a terrible president. It's like well we don't actually know that yet. <laughs> um, it's a it's a really safe bet. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose money he's a challenging choice that. of president. Yeah, and like. You're like, yeah, like he hasn't, he, it might, I actually had this moment of like, what if he does a good job? Mm. I had the like, same thing. That would uh, be super weird. He, no. <laughs> he, said, he said that he would like donate his presidential salary to charity, which uh, to his merit, he actually has been doing. 
Oh, really? Um, $400,000 a year has been going to various, I think, a lot of like uh, veteran charities and that sort of thing. Huh. Um, that said, he's siphoning more money out of going to his golf courses more than any other president in the history yeah. of the world. But It's kind of um, like uh, Hitler supporting like dog, uh, what was it, like dog shelters. Yeah. Sure. And he was a strict vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. I think that might be an uh, apocryphal uh, rumor about him. I don't know if he's a vegetarian thing. Yeah. We'll have to double check. But okay. in any case, it doesn't matter if he was a vegetarian or a vegan or not. It doesn't, doesn't yeah. play on Hitler at all. But the, uh, like, just the, anyway, whether or not Trump's a bad president in, in social circles that I run in saying that he is, is uh, socially it's beneficial to me. establish camaraderie. Yeah. Like, I actually um, started seeing a couples therapist and one of the things that like Felix and I were like, Oh, and we're both transgender. And like, and he's like, Oh no, no. Like, I'm totally cool with that. You know, like fuck Trump. Right. And we're just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What does that have to do with anything? (laughs) Trump literally came out pro transgender. I mean, like I I get all the leaps of like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like, I'm, I'm on your guys' side, yeah. where I was just like, yeah, I'm an insider, and I was just like, oh, okay. Um. That's true. It's something he said in 2016. <laughs> His actions don't reflect. No, nah. yeah. but I mean, like, just, I don't know. It's funny that, like, it's sort of like a little catchphrase now. It would have been really great if, like, it's one of those things you could rewind time by 10 seconds, and, like, you could just make this joke where you and Phoenix look at each other and be like, I think we're going to see another therapist. <laughs> and you, just to blow their mind. You're like, wait, I pissed off two trans people by saying Trump sucked? What? And just, just to watch their mind be completely blown. And be like, just kidding. Sorry. Yeah, we'll play it. Yeah. Anyway. So, but one of the things is, like, in our social circles, we basically can't say when Trump does get things right. Because mm-hmm. every now and then he does. And every now and then I'm like, I still have the suspicion, like, is he just, is he just trying to completely discredit Republicanism forever? <laughs> <laughs> is that his secret master plan? But, um, but I, it's not. But like, you can't bring but up he might some do of the it anyway. he does, because then people are like, what are you, some kind of fucking yeah. MAGA Trumper? Like, no, no, Arg- Arguments are him. soldiers. You need all of your soldiers to fight the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pointing out that he has guess- actually, as far as I know, been donating his money to, cha- donating a salary to charity. Mm-hmm. That is, that is shooting my soldiers in the back. Mm-hmm. And it makes me sound like, it makes me sound like a Trump supporter. Uh, I'm not, but it, this happens, assuming it's true, which I think it is. Uh, so assuming that it's true, that, that is a, that's just a fact of the world, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, so. How do we identify in, crony beliefs? Well, hold, real oh, quick, sure. in, in, in relation to what we were just talking about, he also points out that it's important to remember that we have many different audiences to posture and perform in front of. Right. These include friends, family, neighbors, classmates, coworkers, people at church, other parents at kids' preschool, etc. So oh, a yeah. belief that helps us with one audience might hurt us with another. This reminds me of Jordan Peterson saying different things depending on which audience he's talking to. Oh, really? Yeah. Like a, To just do it in front of a microphone is just, I mean, that just sounds so intellectually dishonest but you're describing jordan peterson when you use those words so (laughs) no i think um it's just a extreme example of this thing but like i guess uh, the idw people like i see that a lot where it's sort of they have a more moderate viewpoint and then like when they're talking to the like uh in jordan peterson's case like if he's talking to incels then he'll be a lot more about like traditional family values and like women actually are much happier if they work in the home and we should really like think about their happiness not just what's politically correct and then when he's talking to like (laughs) uh i don't know different audience like the media says something much much gentler than that it just strikes me like just a vacuous person who wants to get airtime at that point like but like but he's talking he's saying the things that the different people want to hear and sort of morphing the severity of his beliefs or like 
different components of them depending on who he's presenting them to. I just wonder if he actually believes it. Either one, right? Like, or is he just saying what he, people want to hear? Mm, Which it's hard to distinguish from the outside if yeah, someone believes I, something or I'm not. I'm not in his head, yeah. so I don't know. But the impression yeah. I've got is that, like, yeah, he does have this belief set. Right on. And he just thinks that these ones are, like... I mean, I don't um, talk I think... about some of my, like, less, like, social justice-y... I have, like, some social justice friends that I just don't, like, talk about, you know, things like like saying that Trump is giving to charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the thing about, like, there's this weird thing where a certain category of trans women have much higher IQ than average. What's going on there? Even, like, that would be, like, if you say that black people are, like, much physically superior at sports, like, it's, like, positive racism, or Asians are good at math. It's still racism. That's generalizations. People are all just as good as each other. <laughs> That's one that I always find weird. Is that something people say? Um, it's sort of like it, it's. You can't talk about IQ um, in SJW circles because IQ doesn't isn't real because it's unfair. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I admit it's unfair. But... <laughs> oh, oh, like I agree that it's unfair, but mm. I mean, like people There's will quite saying that like there. Are, people are just born with different IQs as being like, well, you're saying some people are better than other people. And I'm like, I did not attach a value judgment to it. <laughs> but, it's uh, like saying some people are born taller than others. And they're like, well, you're saying some people are better than others. Yeah. I, it's a lot like that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the, not what I said. They're willing to say that. Like people are willing to be like, okay, well, like on average, there are more black basketball players. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe it has something to do with like having a physiology that's good for basketball. But like for things like IQ, it's like, even if they're, seems to be like it makes sense why borderers have the culture and like the they, they didn't prioritize iq because they like were in a war zone and what made sense was to prioritize like uh aggression aggression and yeah. uh physical strength and mm-hmm. loyalty and you know but like i mean that's sort of getting more into a. Stephen, lead us back onto topic yeah you're but, the segue master g- give I, us a segue <laughs> I, I will just grab the wheel and yank us back on the road and just say that so when you're identifying crony beliefs, like the other thing to keep in mind is that like, it's not labeled in your head as crony, right? Yes. Otherwise, like, so you've got, and he doesn't mention this in the post, but you've got your, uh, your PR representative that, uh, Robert Hansen talks about in the, uh, the elephant in the brain, right? That person, you're, you're kind of like, you're kind of like the person who doesn't make the hiring decisions. You're just sitting there in your office and then you've got your HR rep that comes in and reports how things are going. Mm-hmm. Your HR rep isn't going to say, by the way, Robert, you know, the mayor's son sucks at his job. Um, he's going to say, yep, numbers look good. And it's like, oh, great. Thanks. Um, so, but crony beliefs are designed to mimic ordinary merit beliefs. Like, you know, the mayor's son in this analogy still has to show up and clock in every day. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you would, it'd be way too obvious. He's not doing his job. So he needs to come in and pretend like he's working, right? Even if he's just playing Galaga the whole day, as long as he's looking at his computer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so and like, he says that yeah something has to be aware that they're crony beliefs or else we wouldn't be able to give them the coddling they need to survive exactly that's the other side of the coin is actually, that it's not labeled bullshit but there's something there where you where you where you treat it differently and there's a reason why so party brain knows that it's different i remember yeah sorry you were gonna say no, something just following up on that go ahead you remember um in one of like this the video game companies like a startup company i was working for like I think they actually bring this up as an example in this essay or something similar, but it was like, okay, we're going to like do employee evaluations. And my boss being like, oh man, we, we got to get the, the crony, <laughs> like the, the, the person who was like the CEO's friend or whatever, like, we, oh, we got to like train him to look good for the HR. Mm. And like, 
but like not in a it, it wasn't if if pressed i think he wouldn't have said because he's bad at his job it would have been but, well because you know he's kind of new here and we're still all kind of trying to figure out like our culture and uh you know like we, we want us to all look good together as a team like it <laughs> wouldn't come a dragon out is say, permeable to flower exactly. <laughs> we need to make sure the yeah. city it looks like he's doing his job so they that don't it, squint at him too hard it immediately reminded me of that interaction with draco and uh harry where, right yeah he's like obviously you some part of you knows the truth because you have to come up with the arguments beforehand <laughs> yeah that the i think the the parable of the dragon comes from carl sagan's mm-hmm. uh, the demon haunted world um and i think harry does pull that straight he does use the dragon analogy right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's i knew that there's a lesser wrong post that talked about it but i couldn't remember if harry used it or not but yeah so um so he says the trick is to look for differences in how they're treated Exactly. So how do we treat crony beliefs versus merit beliefs? The and dragon so- thing's actually a really good uh, analogy here where it's like, what was it? Like, it, what if I th- throw... Fl- it, the, the thing was, I have an invisible dragon mm-hmm. and then, okay, well, um, can I touch it? Well, no, it's also like permeable to f- human flesh. Uh, well, can I like throw some flour to see if it makes the outline of a dragon? It's like, well, no, it's gluten intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> where like... Can I measure the respiration? Well, it doesn't actually, you know, breathe. Yeah, like, like all that stuff. They're making advanced excuses because they know the kinds of bullshit they'll have to explain away. Yeah, you have to be able to defend it. Um, where, where, wasn't there a list of the... Uh... There was, I think... We're not quite there yet. Before we get to the list, yeah. You don't want to get the... Okay. I, I think the thing he points out that um, was really helpful to me was that uh, merit beliefs lead to attitudes uh, at like the fear of being wrong or even an eagerness to be criticized and corrected. A merit huh. does seem like opposites. Fear of being wrong and an eagerness to be corrected. Well, because you actually don't want to be wrong. You want to be corrected if you are wrong. Oh, okay. That didn't make sense to oh, me Oh, fear of being... Oh, okay. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, like, <laughs> that fear of my that. belief being false sounds like a little different if you read it the other way. It's okay, like, oh, no, I, 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 I can't believe, you know, if there's a... a a height disparity between races or something yeah, that yeah, yeah. that I, that would be scary to believe so i don't want to believe that right no um, I, I, okay yeah that's yeah. a bad wording then i think right there but yeah an eagerness to be criticized is a much easier way to put it yeah or corrected a meritocracy experiences no anguish at letting go of a misbelief and adopting a better one even its opposite in fact it's a pleasure and he gives this great example if i believe that my daughter's soccer game starts at <laughs> six but my neighbor informs me it's at five i won't begrudge his correction i'll be downright grateful perfect that actually reminds me of your thing about being corrected with grammar yeah that's what i was thinking of too it's like yeah i don't want to sound stupid thank you um bring Versus, in all my... i don't want you to make me look stupid in public yeah right that's the way people get all mad about being corrected i look plenty stupid in public just by saying things i at least want to use the right <laughs> words uh, so crony beliefs mostly don't care about whether they're making accurate predictions we have little need to seek out criticism for them um, we should expect our brains to take an overall protective or defensive stance towards our crony beliefs. Okay. You, know, you make excuses when the rest of your staff is like, what the fuck is Robert still doing here? Why is he getting paid so much? Mm-hmm. Robert is the example he chooses for a reason that he gives in the article, but I didn't, it's not pulled out in the notes. Um, that's the name of the crony belief on this imaginary company that we're talking about where beliefs are employees. Can we call them Roberts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. No, we don't have to. I mean, just for kidding. the purposes of this episode, but oh, it's can... not going to translate into the wider world. What? Crony beliefs calling them Roberts. I was oh, just jokingly saying, like, you know, if you, like, God damn it, Robert. <laughs> kind of like, I was like, God damn it, Murphy. Mm-hmm. Robert is the name of the protagonist in In the Woods, that ton of French book I won't shut up about. Ah. Anyway, um, so, like, you, you, if you're finding yourself needing to defend the belief and being worried about criticism coming for it, that's, the, that's a good red flag of a crony belief. 
Um, so then he, then this is the, I like this part a lot. I, when I was in the car listening to it, I, I played this part twice. Here then is a short list of features that crony beliefs will tend to have relative to good faith merit beliefs. And we can take turns on these, but I'll grab the first one. Abstract and impractical. Merit beliefs have value only insofar as we're able to make use of them for choosing actions. We need some skin in the game to use, uh, fuck. I had the guy's name. He had that book called Skin in the Game. Um, oh, I'm losing point with David Yusuf right now. It's a common saying, though, even before that book. Yeah, but that was his name. Or he, that was the name of one uh, of his Nassim books. Talib. Nassim Taleb. I always forget you. his name, too. All right, well, uh, yeah. All right, so Nassim, I think that that's why it's in quotes, though. He put Skin in the Game. Anyway, if a belief isn't actionable, or the actions we might take on them based on the belief, like voting, don't provide material benefit one way or the other, then it's more likely to be a crony belief. <laughs> <laughs> he put voting in quotes, not me. Yes. Do you want to take next? Sure. Uh, benefit of the doubt. When we have social incentives to believe something, we stack the deck in its favor. Or to use another metaphor, we put our thumbs on the scale as we weigh the evidence. Blind faith, religious, political, or otherwise, is simply benefit of the doubt taken to its logical extreme. Conspicuousness. The whole point of a crony belief is to reap social and political rewards. But in order to get these rewards, we need to advertise the belief in question. So the greater our urge to talk about a belief, to wear it like a badge, the more likely it is to be a crony. Beliefs as attire. The more the mm. more conspicuous. Yeah, it's called conspicuous. But I guess the the brighter the attire for this belief, the more crony. The the more like it increases the crony croniness likelihood, right? The more the more you want to post the, about this belief on social media, the more likely it is to be a crony. Love it. And then we've got overconfidence. Related to the above, crony beliefs will typically provide more social value the more confident we seem in them. Um, if Acme, the fake company here, hires the mayor's nephew, but it seems constantly on the verge of firing him, the mayor is going to be happy. Overconfidence also acts as a form of protection for beliefs that can't survive on their own without within the meritocracy. And this is the kind of thing where you see people, again, not merely defending the idea that, like, uh, and I, I hate the IQ example just because it seems like it's overplayed in the whatever intellectual dark web. Yeah, but but running with it, found it's myself like, realizing as I was talking about it, like uh, maybe I should no, no, it, it, it's it's great one. though. Like, but so it's one thing to say that one of these days will get canceled. Keep trying. It's one that I don't like. Like the thing is, it doesn't make me happy if it's true. You know, like mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah, it is unfair. That sucks. Doesn't well, it, make it not true. But, but, but either way, so it's one thing to say. Like, without evidence, or, and I'm not saying there is evidence, but if there was, in face of evidence, that, like, no, no, there's no difference in IQ across any populations on Earth. Everyone randomly distributed across the planet has, the, has roughly the same IQ. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing entirely to be way overconfident and say there's no such thing as IQ. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> IQ tests don't measure anything. Right. I guess that's more abstract and impractical than it is overconfident, but still. All right, Jace, want to grab the last one? Because this one's perfect. Yeah, uh, and here's the one you can use to test yourself, and should. Reluctance to bet. Betting on a belief is just as good as acting on it. Both mechanisms create incentives for accuracy. If we're reluctant to bet on a belief, then it's often because some parts of our psyche know the belief is unlikely to be true. Hence the challenge, put up or shut up. This okay. is why there's it's a rationalist virtue to bet, or at least, and it doesn't even have to be about the money. Like, no one's looking to make, I mean, some prediction markets or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, like, if, if I, I bet, uh, I think it was David, um, that more children, more, not children, but young people will come out to vote in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I forget what margin I gave on that and what percentage of more I said, but like, it was like ten bucks. Like it's not it's not money that I'm gonna miss or be happy that I won, right? Yeah. It's just a ma matter of me being confident enough to put my money up, my, you know, put up a yeah. shut up here, right? I wonder if that's. I mean, obviously, there's good social reasons to have uh, norms against gambling. Gambling can really ruin things for a lot of people, but I wonder if that's one of the reasons that like that norm 
people tend to always extend it to these sorts of low stakes bets on That's... beliefs. They're like, no, I don't, I don't gamble. I'm like, is that is that just a social adaptation to protect crony beliefs in general? I think so. making it socially um, bad to ever bet. If you won't play, you know, nickel poker with your friends, it's like unless you're, you know, a recovering gambling addict, uh, it seems like you're you're just doing it because you you want to never have to be in the position where you might be challenged, you know, to put a nickel down on whatever it is you believe. You right? can also bet nothing, but like, <laughs> I do first of all recommend that everybody who hasn't tried it before take like a week with your significant other or a friend and just like start putting like five bucks on like oh i bet like so and so hasn't unloaded the dishwasher yet like Mm -hmm. okay bet me five bucks like you will immediately if you haven't tried this before realize how much like over how much overconfidence you have in things plus imagine how much cleaner your house will be if you start betting every each other to like (laughs) that this isn't done or that this isn't clean the other person will be incentivized to clean it before you get home or something but even like but it's like it works it works especially if you do use money or if you use something uh, of value. That's the whole point of, like, I realize I don't actually want to lose this thing. But I've even done, like, the version where it's, like, I bet you, uh, like, a high five or something. <laughs> My wife and <laughs> or, I bet cheek kisses. or Because yeah. I'm secretly super cute. <laughs> That's adorable. I'm not sure that counts, though, because you both want the cheek kisses. Exactly. Anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> Like I can't even deal with you, dude. (laughs) That's so sweet. I just got a cavity. All right. The biggest hallmark of a crony of of epistemic cronyism is, and this God, I love this whole fucking post. I can't believe this went so far, uh, so many years that it being on my radar. I'm gonna say this to everybody. In general, is like when um, I was leaving, and they're like, "Oh, what what topic are you doing?" I was like, "This thing on melting asphalt." they're like, what's that? And I was like, this thing that I keep remembering is really good, but then forgetting exists and I want to read more of it. So, Do we, do we know the author's name? Is that somebody's name? Under- oh, it's Kevin Simler who wrote this post, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm the name definitely it. rings a bell. Yeah, Kevin Simler. Um, I'll have to just Google the name to figure out why I know who that person is. Anyway, um, so the biggest hallmark of epistemic cronyisms, I bet some of our listeners have already guessed it, is exhibiting strong emotions. And when we feel proud of a belief, anguish over changing our minds, or anger at being challenged or criticized, yeah. th- that, that is not how one treats a merit belief, right? That's the thing I can... Imagine, imagine being pissed or, or scared <laughs> that you're, you know, or angry that your neighbor told you that your daughter's soccer game was at five. Yeah. And being defensive of like, no, it's really at six. And it's like, no, no. Like that, that, that is such an easy... Exa- I mean, it's obviously also a low stakes belief. Well, actually high stakes. If you missed her game, she'd be disappointed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, can anyway. I, yeah, uh, that was like that's the thing i kept trying to think of a word for it maybe red flags is a good word that feeling of pride anguish or proud of the belief anguish over changing your mind anger at being challenged that was that red flag that i would get when i would like start to be like ah like the the whole feminist like shitting on men thing where it was like feminism is good there was that like "Ah, but that's not good where it's this little like like sort of flashing alarm in some corner of your mind yeah but like the rest of and then but it's really hard to see and it's like you're really sort of incentivized to just let your eyes roll off it Mm -hmm. (laughs) like yeah but i i i know that feminism is good that's just probably a few people on facebook that that are saying this one dumb thing but like the rest of the you know nobody else would ever say that (laughs) i'm defending it that's the problem because i'm feeling strong emotions yeah because then like do you feel do you feel a reluctance to say to people, hey, you know, this is just a few, a thing just a few crazy people believe, right? 
because if you say that out loud, do you feel like you're going to get attacked by the group? If you identify as part of the group and then like... That's, I mean, that was, that was one of my problems when a group I was in said some crazy things like that. I was like, haha, that's pretty crazy. No one actually believes that. And then the whole group turned on me. I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> I, mean, I, I had seen like people talking shit about men, like who were men, like especially, you know, like white cis men, you know, right. As like the joke in, uh, that's the worst kind cards of cards against humanity or something. And then everybody laughs, even like the white, like the person who threw the card, some of his like white cis friends, ha ha ha, yeah, like it, it's like you know Hitler, ha ha ha, mm-hmm. white man, and you're like, uh, you don't get that little red flag there. Yeah, I I have a red flag that goes off whenever anyone makes a shitty generalization about an entire group. I don't care if it's you know even groups I dislike. If you're you know if it's uh like republican and I, I like republicans don't get me wrong but i'm just picking people on the other sides of aisles that i'm on you know if someone says all republicans suck i'm like i know nice republicans suck a dick you guys you guys are being mean <laughs> that's or, the worst part because i actually do know some friends who are republicans and are my friends and in in a group if someone says something about all republicans i'm like no not not there's some good ones and they're like oh so you're now you're not all manning us you know what and <laughs> You get jumped out for shit. I'm like, just don't say that about all Republicans. I don't want you shitting on my good friend. This is why I you don't talk to people don't mean like all. online because they get and fall into those terrible traps. Yeah. There was a Republican in my in my groomsman party at my wedding. <gasps> How I know. dare you? Right? <laughs> <laughs> How dare I have a diverse that, group of friends? That was like one of the things that ended up breaking. Like after I had enough red flags, was when like people started saying, "Well, they should know that by all men, we don't mean all men." Yeah, yeah. It's like, then like what would you mean? What? are you talking about this is the same kind of bullshit where people like will defend trump statements right and it's like all right what would you say if you meant all men would you use the words all men like that's what i would use what are you fucking (laughs) kidding me no like seriously or like or even if they say like we obviously didn't mean your one moderate republican friend who yeah you should know that but 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 that's the thing is like they'll even have like the ones where they say literally all men it's like oh i didn't mean literally all men it's like (laughs) those are the words you used we we, we're getting off on too much (laughs) so as you can tell our our beliefs that you know about the the our our beliefs about how bad crony beliefs are is a crony belief right Um, we're obviously getting emotional about this right that is a red flag i know it doesn't mean that like emotions have no place like no, uh, emotions have in, a place in in, mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in being a human with experiences and beliefs. But when you're when you're analyzing your beliefs and trying to decide what is true, it shouldn't have an emotional component to it. It might be scary to acknowledge that something that you once believed is false, right? Or that you know a belief that you feel like is important. But that's the point. That is what a crony belief feels like to to challenge. It feels like grieving, actually. Like when it does. I, uh, had to like basically be like I'm not a feminist anymore. Like it felt like I really wanted to believe that there was like this group of people that did want to do good things for this group of people and also weren't like willing to be assholes to the other groups of people i think there was in the past maybe i'm Um, wrong they're probably i don't know Um, well and you can still say you're a feminist just like not those feminists like like, that's the thing is that's (laughs) why not all feminists i I, I also don't like ist words right like i that that, because that's the problem people assume that you fall into this entire blanket statement of the first person they met on this right Mm -hmm. so like some some nice person you know their first encounter with the with the so-called rationalist community as some 14 year old dipshit on reddit and they're like oh that's rationalists and it's like well you know no first of all but second like so that's the problem of like uniting under a banner and i i see this it's hard to coordinate a group without that 
And yet, like, if you, so, you know, JC, so you're, yeah. it's a bummer that you're not a feminist. I bet you believe everything you want feminists to believe. Yeah. I, right? I, I, actually, when Inuyasha said that you used to believe that, I was like, yeah, I basically, like, I, I'm like a 90s feminist, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know. Like, there definitely were the different waves of feminism, and they changed uh, the, like, official party lines. And I think that the official party line has changed yeah. uh, to, like, sort of the regressive one. That is my impression as well. Yeah, this is this just falls back on. There's turfs too, which is super weird. Mm-hmm. That that I think is a good example of like if someone says you know what's wrong with feminism and it's like well here's a bad branch like oh yeah we all agree that that's a bad branch. Oh, like, turfs right, aren't yeah. real feminists. Mm-hmm. Well, that's they, what the F they, stands for in their thing, but they 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 would disagree, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, they'd be like, no, we're the only real feminists. Like, exactly, and and again, they're wrong. They're and they're they're they're. I was going to say mistaken, but that almost sounds too nice, but. They're they're well, wrong. About, I'm a mistake about theorist. Believe, right? I mean, I, I think they are mistaken. Yeah, it, but like they're they're just as convicted about the the well being of women as you are. They just happen to disagree on a very important pro, you know subcomponent of that. Um, presumably, I'm not really sure. I'm not. I don't um, read any other their anyone's official literature. But J.K. Like, Rowling like said that apparently said something turfy, and that was like, but like she I think she genuinely believes that trans women are just men in drag who like lurk in bathrooms trying or, to like get into female spaces or maybe maybe, that, maybe that, that there's a risk that that could happen right uh, I think that's what turfs think she's scared of the men who will do that and she thinks there's a lot of them and uh that's the problem so she's got bad data and if if someone can yeah, get you know the like mistake theory exactly so and and i i don't know like that's the thing if it, you watch 90s comedies trans women were an acceptable target like there's ace ventura mm-hmm. movies where he like made out with a trans woman and then the entire third act yeah it was like him vomiting (laughs) and and like that was they they made fun of that in family guy again where they had like the same thing happen but they just made him vomit for like two whole minutes oh right (laughs) because family guy you know i actually that was the one where quagmire's dad was trans right uh and it was brian that was vomiting the whole time Yes, I think so. And Are I those in the your... same episode? I think like, that he, was. He was like dating someone who was trans. I think, was I think it, it was, was Quagmire's it? dad. And so oh. what, I li- what I liked about it is like this was like I think in like 2009 or 10 before like this was, you know, the the popular consciousness of like uh, uh, trans rights and issues didn't really like it, hit the radar until like really 2013, it, yeah. right? And so it was ahead of the curve on that. And everybody who was being mean about Quagmire's dad was obviously the dick in that episode. Yeah. So, like, th- I actually thought I that that was... I remember, like, the, the Brian did do that, but, like, the point was that Brian was the dick. Exactly. Family Guy does a lot of satire in a way that's really hard to tell is satire, which I find it a bit annoying. Like, okay. Because, like, they also would, like, have Peter be like, oh, Lois, my man can't drive, ha, ha, ha. And the thing is that it's supposed to be a satire of bad, like, sitcoms, but, like, they just sort of would play the thing straight. Mm. <laughs> I, so I think they got better later know. on at like winking at the camera where it's like we are doing a satire here <laughs> i think i think the main difference though is that like peter isn't the hero that we're supposed to all be behind yeah, we're right? supposed to be like what a douche <laughs> yeah exactly and so like with ace ventura he wasn't like a hero but we're all rooting for him and so then when he does the terrible you know bullshit in the third act of the ace ventura movie oh no we were totally supposed like they, they actually like strip this character down mm-hmm. to yeah. basically like to expose the penis. Yeah, and then and then like it's supposed to be this moment of like, aha, she's evil and also a man. Right. Yeah. It. But th- that's the point. Is like that. Like it was, wasn't. That... Oh, she she like stole the dolphin. I, okay, I don't remember the plot of this movie that well. She did steal a dolphin. Out of her but bench. but that wasn't the look. She stole a dolphin. It was a she's a man. Throw mm-hmm. her in jail. <laughs> like... That movie was weird. 
That said, the the depiction of how he's delivering the package at the beginning of the movie is 100% accurate. The, th- <laughs> the sad thing about the movie is that. that it's like really funny. It's just super transphobic at the end. Is that it's the like, God is it, damn it? Is but it the first used to or be second? acceptable. To, like they, they, again, yeah. trans women were funny. It's an acceptable target. Ha ha. Was that the first or second Ace Ventura where he's climbing out of that fake rhinoceros? That, that was, was the second, second one. one. I had such okay. I remember being a child and having to leave the movie theater. Like, the only time I've ever had to walk out of a movie because I used to have such bad uh, secondhand embarrassment that I could oh. not watch. And I actually love Jim Carrey, but I couldn't watch a lot of his movies. <laughs> like, uh, Dumb and Dumber, I, I was just uh, hanging out with Charlie the other day, and I was telling her that, like, I don't remember how he got on that topic, but I was like, oh, I like I actually have never seen the end of Dumb and Dumber because I can't, like, couldn't sit through the part where they reveal that they, like, were just idiots and had been <laughs> fucking things up the whole time. Yeah. And I was like, and the funny thing is that, like, um... Jim Carrey's character probably didn't even give a shit. Like he probably wasn't even embarrassed when it was revealed. Like, no, know. he didn't. He was too stupid. Yeah, and I was like, that's, that's the, the point of the movie. And yeah. I was like, I know, but I, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Quick Jim Carrey tangent to so. bring us not even closer to the topic, but relevant. He was on last night's SNL. He played Joe Biden in the presidential debate. Oh, oh man, I want to see that. When he was on <laughs> SNL ten years ago, maybe fifteen years ago now, it was one of the funniest SNLs they've had in ages. How was the last night's? Um. I haven't seen the whole episode. I saw clips. The parts I saw were fine. Like okay. for, for the most part, like their scripted parts that they do, like sec- you know the the routine bits, like the uh, weekend update mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, even like the opening, the cold open. Those are usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's like the it's like totally a coin toss whether like the random skits that make it in that week, whether yeah. those are good. Okay, so um, just a typical SNL then. Exactly. When yeah, he was came on, no better, when worse he than was younger. You could tell that like he was still all into comedy and he had contributed a lot to every single skit because. They were all just better than average. Nice. Yeah. I'll have to find that one. Um, so, back to strong emotions. Yes, sorry. Which we were having. Uh, <laughs> no. Actually, I, I wanted to say that, because um, you were saying that, not to say emotions are bad, and I was like, well, actually, the fact that, like, those emotions are, are those red flags telling you, like, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, they're actually sort of, emotions are rational in the sense that I feel angry for some reason. What's going on there? Mm-hmm. Like, is my belief that, all right, so, we'll, we'll, Let's take the one that he gives, then I'll, I've got another uh, candidate for crony belief that I want to talk about. Okay. All right, so I loved this. This is the part where in the car, I was just like, I could feel the grin creeping across my How face. How do you pronounce the title here? The little subheading. There's a subheading? Oh, sorry. I think I'm looking at a different part in the notes. Oh, j'accuse. Okay. It is French for I accuse. Is that the part that you were about to say? I believe so. I don't even see it on mine. Uh, are you just going through the notes? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, got the whole oh, gotcha. Essay pulled up. Yeah. <laughs> I was skimming the notes because the, uh, the, the essay, I don't know. We I'm a slow reader. It would take I, me... just, I didn't want to pronounce this. I, I, can't, I don't know how to pronounce French words. I was like, I'm going to fuck this up. Jacques. <laughs> I've heard that one on TV. <laughs> anyway. Oh, really? I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm more, f- mo- you know what? Never mind. Keep going. All right. <laughs> I, yeah, charge, I charge. I'm most familiar <laughs> with it in the, t- in the context of a uh, chess match. Huh. Where you could is that a chess thing? Well, I mean, you could um, use it as a chess thing, like saying someone has broke the rules. Uh, we're tangenting. Again. Yeah, we are. Sorry, <laughs> Stephen, bring us back. I, I charge the two of you and everyone listening that you are harboring a crony belief about dun, 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 climate change. <gasps> I don't care whether you subscribe to a scientific consensus or that you think it's all a hoax, or even whether you hold some nuanced position. Damn it! Unless you're <laughs> radically uncertain, your belief is a crony. 
And this is the part where I'm just like, I was grinning because I, I saw where he was coming with it. And I was like, oh, wait. Oh, man. And anyway, I'm not accusing your belief of being false. I'm just accusing it of being a crony. What makes a crony belief is how we're rewarded for it. The problem with beliefs about climate change is that we have no way to act on them. By which I mean that there are no actions we can take whose payoffs for us as individuals depend on whether or not our beliefs are true or false. And so there's a couple caveats. Like one... He says, all right, if you live on the Florida coast and you move, right. you clearly are an actual believer in climate change if you're moving because you're avoiding the future floods. Mm-hmm. Like, but, you know, that and aside from, like, you know, hedge fund investors. I want to um, say, like, if you lived in Florida 10 years ago and moved, then that would right. just now it's already happening. But then, then, of course, you picture people. It's like, well, hold on. I bought a hybrid car. Well, no, no. I, I use recyclable straws or something. And it's like, yeah, those aren't for you. Those, <laughs> those are, those are loud things. signals to your friends and neighbors that you care about climate change. When you right? bust out the metal straw. Yeah. It's not because you're saving the environment. Right. It's because you think you're saving the environment and you want to signal that to everyone else. That's the thing is you actually might believe that you are, right? Straws, as it turns out, are not a problem. Like, they're not good. You know, you don't want to throw two billion of them away. I think there's a really marginal good that you are doing by, like... It's it's just not the main incentive for buying. I think you probably use more energy cleaning a metal straw than you would by using a disposable plastic one. I would one. be really surprised if they the it didn't waste slightly in like a helpful direction. Probably not like in the, what I'm saying is it's not the most useful thing you could be doing. It's the the flashiest, most visible thing you could right. be doing. It's like buying a hybrid. You know, it it uses a little less gas, but like the 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 gas from a consumer vehicle is not what's ruining the planet. Yeah. Right, not from your car. It's from these gigantic barges that are burning three gallons a you know a, a foot. I'm making up numbers, but like it's it's the ones that are, are are putting plumes into the sky that you can see for miles. Those those are the ones that are you know that it's putting out more gas in an hour than your car will in its in its lifetime. Well, if we were to overhaul the entire uh, car fleet in in the world, then it would make like a good bit of difference i think 12, totally 17 percent or something uh, i was guessing something more like three <laughs> but in, also, in, either case, in either case that's not, not neither of those are negligible numbers but that's not your the car cre- the creation of the batteries with the rare earth minerals that it takes to mine those things out at net some people are saying they're maybe only slightly better than carbon neutral uh, when compared to a regular car mm-hmm. that uh they more or less are the same right now until we find a less energy intensive way of extracting those rare earth elements to make the batteries and shit like manufacturing at least batteries elements. are renewable to an extent okay yeah you know that's that's the perk you know of like a tesla i have no idea how hard it is to get the battery out of the you know the, the components out of the ground but if you drive a tesla for your whole life i i'm betting you come out uh carbon positive on that right yeah. you get the battery once it lasts for Two hundred thousand miles or whatever. That said, I heard most uh, reusable bags are actually worse than using the discardable plastic bags because it takes so much more energy to use them. I think that's or true. To make them, yeah, yeah. In in the vast majority of cases, they will be lost or thrown out before it makes up for how many paper uh, plastic bags they replace. There's yeah. a good skeptoid episode I think on both plastic straws and on on reusable bags because yeah. like there are some uh, metal straws take a lot of energy to make, and there like there are some stores that like ban. Uh, plastic bags you have to like bring your own mm-hmm. um and it's you know like this is the other, i remember this in elementary school the three r's reduce reuse recycle right, right right recycle is one of the three you know if you can reduce the amount of crap that you're throwing away and reuse the amount of crap that you use like i i use grocery bags i i save them because i use all of them i use them for trash bags every single day i heard someone say that they are in that order for a reason oh i like the, that the best thing you can do is reduce the second best thing you can do is reuse and then it the was third a well-designed slogan. Like, yeah. it's it's at least the easiest way to do it too, right? Yeah, yeah. 
there's a bunch. Of, anyway, point is, is I, I, I loved the example here that he gave about climate change because I was like, well, hold on, but I'm, I think I'm actually right. And I put money on it. And he's like, that's not the point. Yeah. The point is your belief about climate change is a, uh, it's not, an, it's, it's a social signal. It's, right. it's not, I mean, the and, and, you do and you, don't matter. Yeah. And you. you can do little things, but like, you know, me buying energy efficient light bulbs is not going to save the planet. Sorry, Al Gore. <laughs> like we, we need, we need large overhauls to solve this problem. And I had another candidate for crony belief on it run by the two of you. But it will make your house cooler and cost less to keep it. There are good reasons lit. for doing it. Yeah. Totally. Like, I really love LED lights. Like yeah. the fact that I can have my light shining forever and it doesn't make my room hot is nice. Phoenix I mean, programmed our hue lights to have blue spectrum in the day and dim and have a red spectrum at night. So it yeah. uh, doesn't interfere with, like, with our circadian rhythm. We have flux on all our devices and all of our lights are timed like that. I want you to send me a link to whatever light bulbs you have because I need them for the bedroom. You need the API too. But, I'm into uh, it. Finis could show you how to do that or probably awesome. just send it. And some of them, They're, too, have, like, apps that you can put on your phone anyway, so I'll look at yeah, those. Yeah, you can manually do it um, in order to, like, pr- they have the API just available and you can do what you want with it. Sounds fun. All right, I've it got is. a crony, I've got a, I've got a belief in my head okay. that I'm worried it's a crony. Okay. Doesn't mean it's false. Right. I think death is bad. <laughs> I, I mean it. Like, so this, this, I think, is a great example like, and I'm broadcasting it with a very expensive signal of, of cryonics. Yeah. Like, am I, like, it doesn't mean I'm wrong. Right. But this is something that I feel passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I was talking, in fact, this comes up all the time with Brian on We Want More, because he thinks that deathism isn't a thing, um, <laughs> which is fine. But, uh, like, my, my... I have a book for him. <laughs> We, uh, you mean half of all books? <laughs> no, no, I specifically have a book that I bought um, that was like a, an atheist, a new atheist wrote it, and it was like something about like better ways to think about death or something like that, or like happier ways to, and like, I remember reading it and it was just all deathist propaganda, but mm. the, the point was it was supposed to be like for making people who had de- recently, I guess, deconverted or, um, you know, like dealing with the fact that, okay, you're an atheist and like now you've given up believing that you there's heaven and well the thing is I, I imagine he would respond he would say sure they're saying how to deal with death they're not saying that if you offered them immortality they'd say no i actually right? think that unless that's in the book well it, it was all the arguments that you hear about like you know how overpopulation and life. yeah death is you yeah. know like it, it was a lot of like death is actually good you know, like the, it, there was a, was it a sequence where they were talking about if everybody got hit in the head with hammers, people would be coming up with reasons like, oh, well, it makes you more like, um, makes you tougher. Yeah. yeah like yeah. M- mentally tough. It like, it gives you good moral fortitude to be hit in the hammer with the head every mm-hmm. day. In fact, and it's like, okay, well, anyone it, who wants if, to if, avoid if getting suddenly, hit in the hammer must be a bad person. They're yeah. just hedonists. And it's like, but it's suddenly like you stopped being hit in the head with a hammer. Like everyone did it once. Would people pay money to like, no, please hit me in the head with a hammer every day? No, <laughs> but but no, they don't ever think about that. Like, so yeah, I, I, I guess I came up with the death one because I was trying to think of uh, like I went through my head no, of like, I mean, all right, what beliefs do I have that have emotional salience? And that this one happened mm-hmm. to be on my mind. And I'm like, oh, that's fucking obvious. Or even I think that that's you want to project too, because there's very little anyone can do in their life to change the outcome of dying. I mean, the only thing we really have is trying to extend our lives until we get to escape velocity, but many people do that anyway. I guess, yeah. no, I guess quite a few don't. I know several who don't. And also signing up for cryonics. Those are like the two possible There's maybe things. trying to advance science to like either um, working in the field yourself or donating money to uh, life extension foundations. Yeah. Like participating in clinical trials. There's a lot of stuff you can do, but like... 
I um, like that example, Stephen, because when they were having when they were doing the list earlier of signs that a belief is a crony belief, one of them was like noticing that you want to project it, and I was like kind of having a hard time with that one where I was imagining, okay, like Robert, the shitty employee. Does that mean you walk around going, Robert's great? Because I was like, that's not really my. It's kind of like if you hear anyone. That. It's like if you hear anyone else saying Robert's a shit employee, you'd be like, no, he's not that bad. Or no, he's he's all right. But know? even like, but wanting to project it, I was like, I wouldn't imagine. But like that example though is like you you do want to tell people like death is bad and here's why. Like it's the same reason religious people want to proselytize because like I have this belief, I think it's great, and I also want other people to like I want to share it, not just because I want to project that I have it and I'm so cool, but I want other people to also have this belief. I think like the six o'clock news test could help with this. There's there's this thing where you basically don't no one has to watch the news, like basically almost nothing that you see in the news has any impact on your life you can't change anything you're doing with uh what you know about what's in the news and anything that's like really super important you're going to find out anyway from friends or family or something right and and that's one of the arguments to like not watch the news all it does is make you have more anxiety makes your life worse i do cut down on my news watching a lot because of that yeah and so like it does it it does skew negative yeah and it it gets more clicks if it's outrageous and if a belief is like that if you could completely eliminate it like you could eliminate the six o'clock news and it wouldn't affect your life in any way then maybe it's a crony belief and if you completely eliminated the thought death is bad from your beliefs would that change anything about your the way you live your life yeah and you give some examples later on like like your your answer to the trolley problem is a crony belief Right. right like i like his example i have free will Right. Actually, what you think about that doesn't change anything, right? <laughs> um, you actually think it does? Well, no, I was going to, I was talking about the trolley problem where I was like, I actually like sort of am kept up nights metaphorically, maybe literally thinking about like, would I do the right thing if the trolley problem were actually presented to me? I haven't had that kind of experience really where I've had to like, can you imagine be, like actually being in the moment? You don't know what you would do, right? It's I like the whole. I uh, know what I would do if it was strangers. It only gets hard for yeah. me if it's like someone but I that mean, I love involved. It, it reminds me of the like question of would you like jump in front of a car to save a child, and you're like, I want to be the kind of person that would jump in front of a car to save a child. How like, cute is I don't this know child? if I would. <laughs> is this child related to me? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I mean, like that's the thing is you know the the answer to the trolley problem is yes. If there's two people on one track and one on the other, you turn it so it hits the one person because that's half of the number that'd be killed the other way if it's my wife on one track and 150 people on the other one <laughs> i turn it so it hits the other 150 people right i think like i shouldn't was... because that's not a good moral thing to do and yet and, that's I'm, where and I'm, i would start having trouble sleeping but this this is where i'm being the cronyism right yeah. like this like the end the point is, is like luckily i don't hang out a lot i don't i don't this remember the last time i even up. saw a trolley <laughs> right so like, i guess the real question is if you were tied to the track would you want your wife to flip the switch to hit you or to hit the 150 people See, I'm going to go ahead and just like skip the question because like, I, well, that's I, my question. What kind of person would I want to be married to? Well, and I, I, I want would to be the same kind of person. Yes, I would want to be. And, and, you know, she would also want me not probably to kill 150 people to save her. Right. Yeah. But like, again, like just as far as this goes, I haven't seen a trolley in maybe 20 years. You know, they have them in Berkeley. Well, I haven't been to Berkeley, so... Uh, <laughs> so at least not in 20 years. Maybe, well, Collins used to have a little tram that would go through downtown, but it hasn't been running forever. If you the Rationalist Hub, maybe don't bring Rachel. <laughs> just in case. Or, or, just, or just don't let her lay down and take a nap on the tracks. Yeah. <laughs> just be careful. Um, They're everywhere. So, like, it's, it's one of those things about, uh, like... Cut off both your hands so you have a pre-commitment to never flip switches. <laughs> and, and I get that the, uh, 
the the intuition pump of the trolley problem isn't for literally standing at a trolley switch it's for other circumstances where you could save many or sacrifice one to save many yeah. um but that you know again it I, I i strongly anticipate that i will go through my entire life never running into a situation like that so um because luckily i'm not like a you know a hospital administrator or something right uh, if i had to make hard decisions like this i'd be spending more time thinking about them apparently one of the jobs that has like the highest incidence of burnout and like PTSD is being an airline traffic controller where you are making that, trolley yeah. problem decisions all the time. Yeah. <laughs> or like there's the possibility of one having to happen at any moment. Maybe it's, this is the reason that this, the, the examples about police mistreatment were in my head. Cause that's actually one of the examples he gives about a crony belief mm-hmm. beliefs about identity groups, like whether men and women have, have statistically different aptitudes or whether certain races are mistreated by the police. Um, those again, those beliefs, it, I think this is one of the, the linchpins that make it confusing. Crony beliefs aren't necessarily false. Yeah. Robert could be a great employee. The point is, is like you have this belief and you you shout it loud and proud because it's it's an important belief to you. I think the one about men and women is particularly resonant to me because I do believe that they have statistically different aptitudes in the aggregate. That's a really well like phrase. Different yeah. statistically different aptitudes. It, like very it also, carefully actually just just walking around. Saying but it also doesn't matter in my life because I don't deal with you know an aggregate population of men and women. <laughs> I have individual people that I know who may happen to be a man or a woman, but it has no impact like what their attributes are. Yeah, like luckily, since I'm not dealing with the statistical aggregate of, of humanity, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. have to care. I know like 50 people with one like, person, and yeah. I know what, you know, whether they're good at something or not. And, and, and I know it's... like 50 people, so like my, my circle is small enough yeah. that these, these giant impacts don't really matter. I was going to mention bubble effects weird. too. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody has a weird like That's bubble true. effect circle yeah. thing going on. No one on, has so. a perfectly statistically average social group. Yeah. Oh. Which is actually like kind of funny. Uh, I remember... I know I've heard that's why a lot of people don't like ever talking about things like statistical averages among groups because it can't impact anything you do in your real day-to-day life. Hmm. Even if you're, you know, someone hiring for a major company, you're never going to see a statistically Uh, significant portion of the population. Yeah. You still have to evaluate every person on their own merits. Something I thought was cool, uh, Derek Sivers, whose blog I really like, uh, one of his, like beliefs like that he professes or his like philosophies i guess is so i just assume that men and women are exactly the same mm-hmm. and i make a point of assuming that men and women are exactly the same because and i i know that they're not but right. i know that my tendency to believe that they're like way more disparate than they actually are is really strong so i think trying mm-hmm. to norm that belief will push me more towards the correct belief yeah. <laughs> about how men and women will behave and in any individual interaction you're better off going with the, they're basically identical yeah I remember having a conversation with somebody once that said there are no differences between men and women. I, mean, I used to believe that. Well, that, that was what I had said. And I was like, wait, so you're saying that, and it was a woman who said this, you're saying that if you went in to, you know, to, uh, to the doctor with stomach cramps and they checked you for like, uh, they, they, te- they, they well, you had to pay for a testicular cancer screening and you don't have testicles, wouldn't you be pissed? Or like if Inyash went in and, and they, he went into stomach cramps and they tested him for pregnancy, wouldn't that be a waste of money? Would you pay that bill? Mm-hmm. Right? So like at, at the face of it, that's a stupid thing to say. Right? what people say, like mean when they're saying that. And the thing that I used to believe is that, that they have the same aptitudes or the yeah. same like basically personalities uh, and like, you know, um, 
like all, women are as good as math at uh, as good as math okay <laughs> well and it's like that's so that, i'm having strong emotions and that, that's, that's <laughs> the thing about like not dealing with the statistical aggregates of people is like all the women programmers i know are women programmers mm-hmm. right so like i'm not all the women i know are just as good as math if not better than most men i know right like so that that's the thing like my my circles are so small and not representative that I, I guess I like that thing about... I don't even about... know if there's a, as good as. That's actually the, like... The, apparently women perform just as well in math, like, up until a certain point in their careers, and then they mostly either, like, teach math or do something else semi-related to math, like business, because they're more interested in people, whereas men are, have more interests in things. It's yeah. where, like, even the, like, stereotypes that people have are actually, like, a lot more complicated. Mm. <laughs> even if they are true, it's like, they're true, but for a different reason that, yeah, anyway, that's... So basically what we're saying is all these beliefs that we have just been going on at length about are crony beliefs because they don't really affect our lives and we are signaling uh, who we want as our allies right now. Right, or solidarity with our groups or our hate of the out-group, that sort of stuff, right? Yeah, it is ally signaling. That's a Mm -hmm. more succinct way to put it. But like signaling serves a purpose too. It It does. does. Survival. Um, I was actually thinking about like, I've never like put a political bumper sticker on my car. Hmm. And then I was like, no, that's not true. I got a Bernie one. And I was like, what, like... Okay, that was definitely a signaling thing, right? And then I was like, well, yeah, but then I think I, I had, like, told myself when I put it on the card, well, maybe other people will see it and then, like, be more likely to also vote for Bernie, so it's also a bit instrumental. And I think that... Have um, you ever been persuaded by seeing a, 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 a sticker or a yard sign for a candidate? I actually, like... I think you're just screaming to your neighbors who you're voting for. <laughs> I actually was... Uh, convinced a few times like but in like minor elections i would first of all be reminded that those existed and then second it's like sometimes i'd be like who the hell is like vote for whoever who's that and look them up and be like oh actually like this person's policies are pretty good i don't really have (laughs) i could see like if you literally lived in a small town where every single person on their lawn had a name then you would feel a lot of pressure to also vote for that name but like if you're in a city when there's just a huge smattering of every every opinion it it won't but if someone sees my like my pink Chevy spark mm-hmm. <laughs> with the Bernie thing. And like, maybe, you know, if they hadn't felt super political before, but it's like, you know, some, somebody who's an in crowd, like, um, I definitely drive around Denver and see all these houses that like have rainbow flags in the windows. And like that sign that has like the, it's the rainbow text. That's like, I believe in science and black lives matter. And I saw one of those yesterday. Yeah. And like, I think if I saw a house that had all this signaling of like, this person seems like the kind of like my kind of people and, and like also saw I, like vote for whoever I would be like mm. for school board. And I was like, I don't know if Jack shit about school board, but Oh yeah. That person who had like all the cool shit, like this person, I'll check that name. Right. Or like if your car broke down <laughs> on that street and one, one sign or one yard has that, that rainbow sign and the one has a Confederate flag hanging. You're like, I'm going to knock on this door first. Um, they're going to see who has the flag with the just all black Maybe flag with kids. mascara and stuff. Right. I, I want the spider webs. I'm like, whoever's living in that yeah. house must be the cool. Right. There's a person on my block uh, who has a ton of like dragon sculptures, nice. like like these big gargoyles out front of their house. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I have no idea who this person is, but like, I want to be friends with them. And you're like, they're voting for Voldemort. <laughs> He's not even on the ticket. <laughs> Meteor 2020. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's, we've been going super long. Let's get to the uh, the end punch here. Potatoes. Yeah. I want, I want to finish this up because this is where when I was listening, I said, aha, I actually challenged this. And he kind of gets around to the, to the solution, but I did 
I, oh. So anyway, conventional wisdom holds that the more accurate beliefs is critical, or the, the way to more accurate beliefs is critical thinking, less wrong as an example. <laughs> the problem with this approach is that it addresses the symptom, irrationality, without addressing the root cause, social incentives. And yes. that's, that's where I was in the car and I said, I, I, I said in my head, out, lo- out loud in my head, I said, aha, challenge. You challenge that? Yes. Why? Because part of rationality is the bomb that subsumes ev- all that is good and makes everything better. It includes... Be, be, and it doesn't it doesn't exclude actual solutions like fixing social incentives. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So that's when, literally what he was getting to in his next paragraph. Right. Yeah. But, 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 but that's the thing is he says we should do this. I'm like yeah. we already are. Some of us, yeah. Well, but that's that that is that is part of the point of rationality. Yes. It isn't to be the rational person in your house and the only one on your block. Yeah. It is to raise the sanity waterline of those around you and to have a community. It's yeah. a belief you want to spread because you like it. Genuinely, yeah, that helps too. But Not like, because you like it, because well, let's, well, because you think it'll make a better world if more people believe this thing. Yeah, I want to. I want to read like what he said. Sure, because I thought it was really well put. And uh, he said that if you imagine some clueless but well-meaning executive noticing that Robert and a handful of other workers aren't getting fired despite shoddy work. Uh, not realizing they're cronies, the exec naturally suspects the problem is not enough meritocracy. And then he goes through all the programs he implements to make things more meritocratic so that shoddy, shitty employees get canned. Meanwhile, everyone else is panicking, like, oh no, Robert's going to get canned. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so he said, if our executive understood the full picture, he might instead direct his efforts outside the company at the political ecosystem that allows strong, strong arming and corruption to fester. If he could fix Nepotsville city politics, he'd be quashing the problem at its root. And Acme's meritocracy could then begin to heal naturally. So that's he saying uh, that's the problem. If you give someone the tools to purge their crony beliefs uh, by giving them the sequences, for example, without a community, without fixing the ecosystem in which they're embedded, it's a prescription for trouble. They'll either one, let go of their crony beliefs and lose out socially. Or two, suffer more cognitive dissonance in an effort to protect the crony beliefs from their now sharper critical faculties. The better and much more difficult solution is to attack epistemic cronyism at the root, i.e. in the way others judge us for our beliefs. If we could arrange for our peers to judge us solely for the accuracy of our beliefs, then we'd have no incentives to believe anything but the truth. Which is, I think, kind of the... What we do as a community. Yeah. Yeah. The whole point he was driving at is that we need better community, better social pressures. Totally. And yeah, like I said, he, he got there to the to the point, but I just liked where when when he said the first thing, I was like, you are wrong, sir. We already do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. You were two steps ahead of him. Or actually, yes. I, I was saying when this was written, but uh, when was this written? I was thinking it was written around the same time as the sequences, but... I think it was after, because he says... Um, he he no references date. the sequences. Yeah. Do you I hate when people part? stopped including dates on the internet. Yeah. yeah it's got to be up, evergreen content. I was literally no, just opening up the, pa- the actual page to find the date on it, and he didn't. Maybe it's at the bottom. Um, or maybe they just didn't include it. Nope. Great. No. Oh, wait, there it is. Originally published November 2nd, 2016. Okay. Oh. So the community had been a thing for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, the, the next thing was... I lost. I've already moved my notes. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. In other words, we do need to teach rationality and critical thinking skills, not just to ourselves, but to everyone at once. Yeah. The trick is to see this as a multilateral rather than a unilateral solution, which reminded me of Brian. If we raise epistemic standards within an entire population, then we'll all be cajoled into thinking more clearly, making better arguments, weighing evidence more even-handedly, etc. Lest we be seen as stupid, careless, or biased. (laughs) The beauty of Less Wrong, then, is that it's not just a textbook, it's a community. A group of people who have agreed, either tacitly or explicitly, to judge each other for the accuracy of their beliefs, or at least for behaving in ways that correlate with accuracy. 
And so it's the norms of the community that incentivize us to think and communicate as rationally as we do. And right here, I would normally try to drop in some sort of call for action, like, hey, start a Lesseron group in your local city. It'll make your life great. Start Everything will be house. awesome. It's not that hard. Here's how you can do it. But now we're in the middle of Corona, so no one can do that. Online communities. Online are good. They aren't, but if they're, they're the only placeholder we have while the for world's now. on They're going to get better yeah. because so, of that. Yeah. Dude. And I'm looking forward to that because I hate Skype. <laughs> Skype's the worst. Any, I hate Zoom. I hate all of them. Are there, mean, the, is there a good the, one? Hangouts no, is all right-ish. There's no good one because latency is the problem. You well, need to be either have zero latency or see people IRL. And I mean, that's not the only problem. There's also just, it's better to be in physical proximity to people. There's a lot of other things you can get that you can't get just through video and chat. But latency is a huge problem. It is. It is. And But if you're, if you're hearing this and you're like, God, this all sounds great, but I don't have a community... Online is a, is a substitute that we can all live with for now because we have no other choice. So check out the Bayesian Conspiracy Discord. Check out uh, the uh, University of Bayes. Um, there are online community, and of course, like Less Wrong is a technically yeah. a community, but it's there's not. Hard, you, like, you're not talking with people in real life. It's like a subreddit, basically. No, they are um, in real life, just not in real time. There's rationalist well, communities yeah. on most of the major social media platforms and other places where you can talk to people. Oh yeah, I forgot that Facebook is a thing. There's probably a, a Less Wrong Facebook group. Um, there is. I believe you, but that's believe not worth it's not worth it to me. Brain debugging discussion, because <laughs> uh, they never were able to rename it. I like how this wraps up. He says, all of which brings us to a strange and, at least in my mind, unsettling conclusion. Earlier, I argued that other people are the cause of all our epistemic problems. Now I find myself arguing that they're also our best solution. It's not unsettling. I mean, it, it, I don't think it's unsettling. It's not not paradoxical. It's not even. It's not contradictory. It's just yep. Yeah. <laughs> we need we need a good community. People are everyone the problem needs, and people are the solution. Yeah, everyone needs community and having good community is good. So, yeah. I love it. So, yeah, that's it for this post. Um, I know I've been going for a while. It was I, a really good one. I think so. There's I, some things we didn't touch on. So, again, I recommend people to read these and the Less Wrong Posts. The Less Wrong Posts are super short. Uh, this one is a little uh, bit sequences. longer, but still totally worth reading. Or Less Wrong Sequences, yeah. Less Wrong Posts also tend to be, well, uh, I have how many? Like, I have... 12 of them open right now and they vary in length but there's a lot of short ones if you don't have to, like the time uh you i love the fact that they actually tell you on less wrong about how long each article takes to read oh yeah they do that now that's cool it's like yeah here's here's this article it's about this thing it's in this category it'll take you about nine minutes to read why doesn't everybody do that it's so good i've seen it on more and more websites lately recently yeah see things are getting better <laughs> All right, so I did we address the feedback at the top of the notes here about school, did, about shootings? We did not do any feedbacks yet. Do we want? We've been going for quite a while on this episode. Do we want to? I want to hit these really quick. All right, let's okay. hit. They'll only quick. take a second. Okay. So, um, I let's see. I think I found the thing about guns because I asked our guest about that when we got the email. So the the question was, um, basically that our our number that was cited in the episode was ridiculously under. Um, I was skimming through everything I talked to about the. Wait, are you going to read the thing? You go ahead and read it while I search. Uh, the the comment that he makes about our number? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I asked uh, our guest on that episode about that. I'm not I'm not sure if it's fair to... Well, I'm going to disagree with this thing. I guess I might as well read it. Read it. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, going to be really unsatisfying if you don't know what we're disagreeing with. Yes. Uh, uh, Jared, in an email, in the follow-up to our gun episode, says, Hello, conspirators. I come from Stockton, California, where shootings were fairly commonplace. Sorry, Jared. I... 
I look for my hometown every few days at, uh, it's a website, gunviolencearchive.org slash mass shootings. I thought you might enjoy this after a guest estimated one mass shooting per week. Ha, keep up the great show. And if you go to the website, it shows uh, a long list of mass shootings. There's multiple every weeks at that one um, town. Yeah, Stockton. But like, I dispute that definition of mass shooting is the problem. It's like everything they have at that website is where multiple people were shot in a single incident. And that doesn't surprise me for places that are high in crime. Um, but I don't consider that mass shooting. When someone says mass shooting, the typical thing everyone thinks of is someone school walking shooting. into a large crowd. Yeah, a school shooting. Or someone walking into a crowd with the um, objective of indiscriminately killing as many strangers as possible. Not like crime and drug deals gone wrong and uh, rival gangs shooting at each other. And so I wouldn't call those mass shootings. I would just call those yeah. like shitty things that happen a lot. I do think there's an important distinction there between this is a terror event yeah. um, that you could get caught in. Like if you're trying to evaluate how dangerous an area is, mm -hmm. if it's all gang violence, you're unlikely to get caught up in it if you're not part of any of that. Uh, if it's like this area has a bunch of indiscriminate shooters, uh, I don't know. I think you can't actually like... Like when Gray estimated one mass shooting per week, I was like, that is ridiculously high. I Mass shooting to me does not count as a mass shooting if it doesn't make it to the news. Well, they're saying even that was quite... Uh, they were saying it's extremely low, the, the writer yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't find Gray's response. I don't know where I asked him, but apparently it wasn't in Discord. And I don't have time to oh. look everywhere, but I'm with you. Like I think... He lives at my house now, so I could just ask him. Yeah, But, <laughs> but, but if you do define a mass shooting as anything where more than two people are hit by bullets in a single incident, then yeah, there'd be a ton more. Yeah. Just have different definitions in this case yeah and you know it it's one of those things that it, i don't know if it's worth splitting hairs about like i guess i can't remember exactly what context it came up in like we we're talking about guns but like i don't know what the specific thing regarding mass shootings was i realize um, i'm interpreting this laws, as it was whether gun laws uh, having stricter gun laws would reduce mass shootings and if you define it the way we think of mass shootings as these terror events then no they wouldn't uh uh if you define it as these random crimes on corners then maybe they would if they would prevent yeah. um, more guns getting into criminals' hands. I, I realized that I'm doing the thing of... Well, there was even a... Wasn't there a sequence about this? I'm, I'm re reading this as Jared... Um, I don't know if we want to take his name out or not. And I don't know if that's a... I think it came in an email, so... He, him, person. Uh, but uh, it sounds like... Like, they were just coming in saying, this number seems really low, haha. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I'm like, oh, this person is in favor of... And they're trying to argue in favor of there being stricter gun laws and then we should have Greyback going to argue and then I'm like wait a minute there wasn't an argument <laughs> yeah. they were just I think yeah that was one of the sequences where Eliezer said uh, a fact and someone was like that is, do you mean that you're for this thing happening and he's like no I just said a fact about it right yeah but I would be annoyed if someone were to say we could reduce mass shootings by having stricter gun laws and then they pointed at this when they knew that everyone in the audience is thinking about like school shootings that's a classic Martin Bailey switch right yeah all right so I think that's it for that one. I do, I do see what you're saying, and uh, shootings suck and should go down. Could maybe have Gray come back on and address that if anybody yeah. cares. We, we can, we can <laughs> I ask, know Gray will want to. We can ask Gray what, what, <laughs> what the response is to that, but I wanted just to bring that up and move past it because we don't have time to dig in too much. But no, there's another quick one I want to get to here. Mm -hmm. um, this one came in just yesterday, actually. Cool. Uh, first, let me say I really enjoy the podcast. Thank you. It is like hanging out with interesting friends every two weeks. Aw. <laughs> but I disagree with the position that global climate change does not cause the is not the cause of the wildfires. Um, 
they say that it's definitely true that bad forest management provides more fuel, but higher temperatures and higher winds make the fire spread faster, makes them harder to put out, and the higher CO2 content might actually like result in denser growth, more stuff to burn. That, that was seems my like a stretch. I am really, not, that, that was my impression. I am not an environment an environmental scientist, there might be something to that. Maybe things would be slightly less bad without climate change. I mean, how long um, have we had higher CO2 concentrations? And that, how much higher are they? That's, and how long does it take a tree to grow? That's And so that's part of my thinking on it. The other thing is that like the, uh, the bad forest management would lead to a bigger problem a lot faster yeah. than the currently slow but terrible gradual in, uh, uh, in, increase of CO2 levels and, and uh, um climate change yeah so Maybe we can I, I get david spearman on and then set these two against each other and then we can just coordinate a bunch of arguments between different people i i from everything <laughs> i have ever read on the subject uh climate change certainly is happening and it is due to all the carbon we're putting into the atmosphere but it is having a very small effect on the wildfires the wildfires are mostly due to bad management and disrupting the the natural ecosystem of that coast like our, our personal vehicles contribute to climate change but they're not a real metric or there's not a real like impact on it right marginally technically it increases you know co2 output but it's not like i mean i think all the cars in the aggregate have a i mean i was pointing just you and me oh just you yeah yeah, like so just the person's car like yes this is causing a marginal effect no we should not be like aiming all of our resources at this though because it's so marginal that right it's a weird argument because i do think we should be aiming some resources at climate change and fighting climate change but oh yeah (laughs) it's not going to solve the forest fire problem that is a different problem so it it annoys me that that is used as an argument if you find sources that we can share we'll put those in the show notes no way all right or we could orchestrate some fights Ooh, fights are more fun Uh, maybe (laughs) a little column a little column b okay and then i I needed to get to this part this is the main reason i wanted to do feedback this episode as long as i'm at the keyboard i have a suggestion for a topic for the next episode i don't think we're going to do the whole episode but i'm going to mention this every time we get an episode this month so i guess twice (laughs) um could you possibly discuss the upcoming election as rationalists it seems like we ought to do everything we can to prevent the re-election of the most anti-rationalist president imaginable Mm. one whose re-election has uh, objectively has a very high likelihood of bad consequences for almost everyone. I think I can think of no better use of time for than that. Um, I agree. Everyone should get out. That, that's all I want to bring this up for is everyone get your asses out and vote. I agree. I, He's the most anti-rationalist president ever. I was, I'm not sure that's the best use of all our energies, but maybe. I mean, if we, I, I, I don't know what our energy output, like if we, I don't know the difference between doing a whole episode on it versus doing a, uh, a plug to say, by the way, don't sit this vote out like you did last term. Uh, actually vote this year uh, or vote this election. You know, I felt s- silly last term. It feels like 5,000 years ago. When... Did you not vote last time? No, I did. Oh, okay. But we had an episode on about don't waste your time voting. Okay. Remember? We had... I remember that one. I remember that one. I still think it's kind of a legit episode. And yet people came out in record low numbers and we got Donald Trump. So, like, the thing is, and that, that was my case during that episode, like, the people who are inclined to seed the reasoning of that argument are the kind of people we want voting more because we don't want, and granted, they're a small population, especially the, the, the subset of that population who listens to this podcast, but, like, we don't want to convince smart people that you shouldn't waste your time voting because then only dumb people are voting, and voting still is a thing. I think, I think it's legitimate to say don't waste your time voting uh if it's more than a half hour i have my ballot mailed to me i already know who i'm voting for so you know it's gonna take me all of five ten minutes to fill it out and mail it back that's, so i think it's a legitimate use of five or ten minutes i, I don't, don't think i'd be wanting to spend hundreds of hours in a month like 
really working towards one person's elections. I'm not sure that would be worth the energy. Or even spending a full day standing in line. Really good. Right. Hmm. I, I, I feel like doing like a year of activism would be worth more probably than casting your one individual vote. Uh, I think Unless it, that wasn't what you were saying. No, no, no. I think it, the total impact would probably be a little bit more than casting my one individual vote. But I think both are pretty close to negligible. Like the amount of energy put into these campaign efforts, in my opinion, is ludicrous. The key is just uh, to spend yeah. 30 minutes writing a script and then buy a bunch of email or buy a bunch of uh, phone numbers from the dark web and just text <laughs> text every phone number, vote for this person. I'm, fuck. If someone that, does that, I will vote against that person. That, that's low effort. <laughs> fuck and that. That's low effort, and it hits a lot of people. Um, yeah, so I... You're, you're literally advocating for defecting right now. <laughs> I, I, Defect. You, you, are, you are advocating for everybody clogging everyone's phones with trash. The, the audience can't see me joking about that. I was saying that'd be the solution to not wasting a lot of time and having high impact. No, you don't want anyone <laughs> to do that because I, I don't want everyone to do that. I'm it. just saying that's the solution. Okay, yeah. all right. Don't, don't solve so that problem. Upset. I'm just saying that's how you would. <laughs> and he just so visibly upset at I, the idea of getting all this spam text. I, I get, I get, well, just I get, the idea of how many more resources will be wasted by society for net zero impact. I get five or six texts a week from I know, strangers. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm always nice to the people because I know it's usually humans on the other side. I just ignore it. That's that's a completely fair response. I, you know, they'll say, "Are you prepared to vote? How are you going to vote?" Oh, yeah. and like, I said, "We're set. Thumbs up. Thanks, thanks for your activism." That's basically my canned <laughs> I, reply. I got a call from one of those people trying to convince me to come vote, and I like said the script for them, uh-huh. <laughs> and they were really happy. Oh, that was the other thing that I guess I forgot I wanted to respond to. You're right. I had this weird impression growing up that mail-in voting was a thing across the country because it's super easy, barely an inconvenience, and makes sense <laughs> across the board. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that like, Colorado's one of three states that does it by default. Yeah. So since I've lived here my whole life, that's how I've always voted. Voting has always been, I don't want to say super easy, barely an inconvenience again, but <laughs> there it is. Um, yes, you do. So... Like, I always assumed that was the amount of effort it took. Some people are like, oh, you shouldn't waste all this time. And I'm like, it takes five minutes yeah. if you know who, who you want to vote for. Yeah. And yet, that's just my weird case because I live in one of the three states that does it correctly. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, get your asses out and vote. It's Especially it was, if you live in Colorado or one of those other states, the mail-in ballots. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Thank you for writing in. I don't want to read names of people who write in emails because uh, sometimes they don't want to be broadcast. So, anyway, you rock. Thanks for writing that stuff in. And I figure if it's a, just a first name that's common enough, it doesn't matter that much. Steve, you have a great first name. It lines up with... <laughs> with uh, it's one of the best first names. Well, it's it's second to Steven, but right. it's right up there with Steve Rogers and, uh, I don't know, yeah, Captain America's first name. So, well done. Yeah. And Captain America advocating for political activism. I Hats off. I did a little Ant-Man salute like he does. What happened? Captain America? He did a little salute. Steve shares his name first name with Captain America. And he's advocating for a better America. Okay, okay, all righty. It's a little too literally. It's a stretch. (laughs) That's fair. You're like, when does Cap talk about voting? Yeah. Yeah. All right, fair. And that's how you know we've gone too long. So thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be back in a fortnight with an episode that we haven't decided on the topic of yet. But first, we have to thank a patron. Oh, thank God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because this patron has helped bring you this crazy rambly episode, the old school episode that I certainly enjoyed doing. Um, This patron is this patron is Anton Kulikov. Thank you very much for your support and for helping keeping everything going here. Thanks, Anton. Uh, Inyash put it best, but you rock. Yeah, that was a very good suggestion of post. And thank you for reminding me that Melting Asphalt, the blog, does in fact exist and has good content on it. I'm oh, sure. that was... Was that the, that one? Yeah, that was that one. That was my suggestion, though. Anton didn't write in about it. Oh, well, Anton's just next on the list. Yeah. yeah. Anton's just an excellent person who is helping support us. In I see. Yeah. That's I, right. 
you can probably cut that part out then. Anton's probably one of the <laughs> best people in the U.S., uh, at least in terms of top 1%, because we get less than 1% of the U.S. funding us, right? We have no idea if they live in the U.S. or not. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> we have we less say- than 1% of the world funding <laughs> us, though, so he's in the top 1% of the world in terms of how well they support the... Basing conspiracy. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Perfect. I always fumble over this part where it's like, it's really, I don't know. I just, I guess I just feel sort of like, oh man, there's a reminder that people listen to this show and they're giving us money and, oh, that's great. What do I even, yeah. thanks. Yeah. Thank you. We bought new microphone stands <laughs> that aren't falling apart and have managed to stay upright and balanced and work and store properly with your guys' generous support. So. That's right. And they look really sleek. Oh, look, I just got a text from... Uh, Trina telling me to vote no on Proposition 155 on the upcoming election. <laughs> Do you know what Proposition 155 is? It's the abortion one. Uh, what would a no vote um, mean in uh, this case? You're pro-abortion. Oh, okay. Yeah. I saw uh, this... It's pro-abortion. I saw, I saw this big, big, uh, whatever you call it, display Abort- of like probably a hundred little uh, crosses for like making little graves mm-hmm. and like a bunch oh, of signs saying vote yes on this thing. And then oh. a picture of, of babies mm-hmm. and it was uh, a picture of babies that are clearly like three months old right. out of the womb wearing cute little, you know, like it's not a picture yeah. of a, I, one time, one time I photoshopped I a picture, you, but I came out of the womb wearing my onesie. I, I was I, adorable. I think I said it to you guys, but one time I got mad and I like took a picture of one and I photoshopped a fetus, like a, like very um, early stage development, uh, human mm. and put like a fedora on its head <laughs> it was just like oh it was one of those like the heartbeat starts at 18 weeks ah. and i was like here's what an 18 week old looks like it looks like a lizard mm. <laughs> an eyeless lizard <laughs> it's adorable perfect all right we'll be back in a couple weeks and thanks for listening everybody cool thanks bye oh hold up a minute we've got a quick addendum all right so we are here because uh, be- because why again? <laughs> because uh, you requested links, and so I went and looked for links, and upon looking for links, I found out that I was wrong, and I have become less wrong now, uh, but I need to tell that to everybody else as well, so that... Uh, hey, that's the name of the show. It is, yeah. So, uh, so that <laughs> Like they... in a pitch meeting? That, that's the name of the thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we are recording this after a hectic work day. I'm having a, an above-average hectic day as well. And anyway, we're here to issue a, an important correction because being less wrong is tight, and yeah. we like to announce when that happens. So, Okay, uh, so in short, uh, this is regarding the forest fires and the effect of climate change on forest fires. And uh, I had been presented with the argument, which I felt was uh, you know, entirely uh, reasonable, that the most important thing driving forest fires is the presence of fuel just the you know raw dry wood on the ground uh that burns up and that that used to be taken care of through natural processes and over the past roughly century or so has really been building up due to um land use management and specifically our constant suppression of any and all natural fires so that the uh, tinder just kept building and building and building rather than um rather than burning up as it regularly would uh, and that climate change itself is not really a big driving force because uh, it's recent-ish compared to the 100 years of tinder buildup and also because it just, you know, it doesn't impact on the presence of fuel, which is what the fire is all about, how much fuel is out there. Um, and I discovered upon the researching that this is not entirely correct. 
the the misuse of land management and suppression of fires leading to lots of buildup of fuel is in fact a thing that has happened and is a big part of this um but the uh what i the side that i haven't been presented with and didn't think of on my own was that uh the quality of the fuel also matters uh there is much more wood out there than there ever would have been due to you know these things that we've done but uh when the climate was not as hot and as dry, uh, the wood, some of the wood wasn't, you know, completely dried out. It was, there was some mixture of the wetter stuff, things that uh, weren't quite so flammable. And as the years have gotten, yeah, as the years have gotten hotter and drier, uh, the wood that is out there, which is the main problem, is also a lot more combustible because it is more dry uh, and it makes for fires that are, bigger, hotter, last longer, and are harder to put out. So that's, uh, climate change has certainly contributed. Um, how, how much of it is, you know, the drying out of the wood that's there, as opposed to there being more wood is hard to say, but every single source I found said that the climate change drying out is definitely, uh, a part as well. And there were, you know, there were disagreements as to how big of, uh, how big of the deal the climate change is, whether it is a large driving factor or a smaller contributing factor. But it's definitely also important. Well, that's good to know. And it's good to get everything, uh, you know, updated properly, yeah. which is great. Um, and it has... You know, we're not we're not going to sit here and stick to our, uh, you know, stick to our guns and something that's wrong. If we, if we come across information that contradicts what we thought we knew, we change our minds. Absolutely. And, you know, especially... Uh, the the hotter drier climate also makes it much harder to fight the fires so they go on longer than they would have uh otherwise just because it's a lot harder for us to put them out too oh yeah well you know if we make it through the next century i'm optimistic that things will i mean you know it's uh i mean all right so here you can tell we're tired and distracted or at least i am but the uh on the plus side having had the entire western half of the United States be on fire means that the fire season next year probably won't be so bad. I, we can certainly hope so, yeah. I don't see... I, I can't see how it possibly could be. We've burnt everything. I don't know if we have burnt everything. Like, I'm actually not sure how much of a percentage of what's available this year is burning out. If it's only like 2-3%, this could go on for a while. But uh, if it's oh like God. a significant fraction, then yeah, it should definitely make the next few years not as bad. Well, I was maybe being optimistic i didn't actually look at like maps of how much was covered versus like the area that is actually flammable etc right yeah maybe we're totally fucked and you know spending our summers inside hiding from smoke will just be a thing from the, for the rest of our lives oh, until God. the smoke until the fires eventually consume our homes or until we create dry wood eating nanites that we can release into the wild and they will uh, just render it down into something wet and not flammable fire eating nanites <laughs> nothing has ever gone wrong in the world by releasing nanites that consume things into the wild sounds perfect is that all we have for this yeah that's it just a quick update and uh, i have to run Alrighty. to get back to work because i'm going to be working for quite a while still tonight damn well crush it and sorry for uh pulling having to pull you away to do this we anyway no no it everyone was... have fun y'all learned something we all changed our minds and Everybody, uh, remember, the name of the game is Less Wrong. Have fun. Heck yeah. <laughs>